Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the Bat Around. Guys, take it away. And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you on this Saturday, the 25th, correct? Yeah, yesterday was Cal Ripken's birthday. I know. Is Cal Ripken 58 years old? I do believe that's the case. Where the hell did the time go? I don't know. Seems like he's just stopped playing five years ago. Yeah, something something like like that. that. Yeah. Anyway, Stan the Fan and Craig Heiston, there was a lot of great in that opening you know there's a lot of great in that opening including the got the vendor yelling peanuts right that's me i know yeah and then we you know i talked (laughs) to bonzi yesterday on the phone did you yes i did he's doing well yeah got himself a new job Where's he working? Uh, I forget where he told me. Okay. <laughs> but he's, he's got a new it was job. Very important to you. No, well, it is. It was. It was. McDonald's? It I was, mean. No, no, no. It was. And the, and the biggest part about he's it doing is. doing some announcing at McDonald's? He's not coming back here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we wouldn't want him back now. We've. We've well, of a, course not. We've grown accustomed to her face. Right, absolutely. And and my God, last week we had to sit here for two hours and look at Kyle. Kyle yeah, <laughs> that's right. She looks especially good this week. Yes, yeah, she does. <laughs> um, Hello, Britt. How yeah, are you? I, I'm great. Good. Also, guess who else's birthday was yesterday? Uh, who? Mine. Oh, we wow. did. You, you share a birthday with Cal Ripken I Jr. I do. It's How? my claim to fame. How about that? Look Unbelievable. That. And she's wearing her Orioles jersey. Yeah. Today too. Did you get that uh, hockey, that Ovechkin hockey puck signed yet that I gave you? Not yet. You All gotta, right. you gotta schedule something for me to work out with Ovechkin. I'll, I'm working on it <laughs> feverishly. Well, you, you got know, a better, you got a better chance of giving that thing to me. Actually, that's not a bad idea. The only problem is he'll get the Ovechkin signature. And then he'll he'll sell it. And then it'll be on eBay. Yeah. That's how Craig makes his living. He builds up a great deal of trust and then gets collectibles signed by his friends, the players. Right. He's got a a whole – My friends, the players. He's got a whole treasure trough of uh, Mike Mussina autographed baseballs Uh. and jerseys at home. Sells them off when he needs them. Um. Brittany, this week, you're right. She had the week off during the, you know, yeah. school starts Monday back at Towson. Um, tell Craig what you did this 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 past week. I went camping with my mom in West Virginia. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. nice. What, what, what national park was it? Uh, it was Blackwater Falls okay. State Park. Okay. Yeah, it was beautiful. Did you see any animals? Like deer? A lot of bear, deer. A lot of deer? Yep. Any bears or snakes? Uh, did not see any bears. How I was about hoping snakes? to see some bears. Well, you no weren't snakes. there. <laughs> no snakes? <laughs> no, snakes. <laughs> no snakes. How about crocodiles or alligators? No, they don't live out there. Okay. That's what, uh, <laughs> that's what the woman down in Florida thought. God, those stories are, they are so horrific to me when these people, and it's usually a woman, is walking her little dog by the water down in Florida, and these alligators come up and get them. And get the dog. They they go after the dog, but right. they drag the the person away. Yeah. Apparently, the, the I think this latest episode, the woman tried to save her dog, and that's when the thing changed 
changed its mind and went after the person. Very How you sad. doing? I'm doing good. Good. I'm doing good. Tough night out of the ballpark last night. I was at a uh, very entertaining musical show with my friend Steve Jeppe uh-huh. at the Veterans of Foreign Wars Lodge out on... Um, off of uh, Philadelphia Road. Okay. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> I was keeping close eye on the Oriole game, but it was Ronnie Dove. Ronnie Dove is going to be 83 years of age in about a week, and he did a set of about five or six songs, and he still sounds good. Still sounds good. And then Ronnie McDowell. Do you know Ronnie McDowell? Mm. He's a friend of Elvis's, and he wrote a lot Roddy of- McDowell. Roddy McDowell. No, no, not, not the actor, Roddy McDowell. This is Ronnie McDowell. This is Ronnie McDowell. Okay. Look him up, Ronnie McDowell, Elvis. Okay? You'll see he wrote a bunch of songs for a lot of (laughs) country-western performers and knew Elvis very well. Uh, So I was at this uh, thing, and I had my phone, and I was glued to the phone while the music's going on, and and I watched that at bat, you know, sort of uh, evolved the Neil Walker at bat in right. what the top of the 10th inning top of the 10th tied up at 4-4 Cody Carroll and he I think it went to three it was three and one then he fouled a ball off then he fouled about three or four more in a row off I went to the bathroom and I come out and and now I'm in the the different area of the of the lodge where TV's at and I say oh I go uh oh there's a runner on first and I go oh Walker must have walked and then I look at the score, and I go, damn it, I knew he was going to hit a home run. Mm-hmm. Just couldn't put him away. Right. Yeah. Who hit the second home run? Uh, Luke. Oh, Poit. <coughs> Luke Voigt. 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 And he had two of them last night, pair of two-run homers. Wow. That's how they scored yep. their runs. Yep. Rookie, a big night, four RBI. Yeah. And uh, and Chris Davis had his, maybe Chris, his best game of the year. Chris Davis had a home run off of uh, Zach, Zach Britton in the bottom of the 10th. Uh, and uh, just a ball that, uh, well, had enough sink on it, but, mm-hmm. he, you know, he's got the, you know, the the uppercut swing, and uh, he was able to get the bat to the ball. So, we've got a... Had a three-hit game last night. We've, we've got quite a show tonight, uh, this morning, excuse me. Adam Pohl of the Bowie Bay Sox. You know, I rushed to have him on when we made all those trades, and he didn't have a lot to say about those players because he had just barely seen them. It's now been two and a half, three weeks we're going to have Adam Pohl back on, play-by-play okay. play broadcaster, uh, to give us the latest on some of the players the Orioles acquired that are at Bowie, including two that were at Bowie or should have been all year, Hunter Harvey and Austin Hayes. We'll find out the latest on them. Uh, play-by-play voice of the New York Yankees and a former Baltimore Oriole great in the Orioles Hall of Fame, Ken Singleton, in this his last trip into Baltimore as a Yankee broadcaster, yes, he's retiring indeed. after yeah. this year. Now, are you know Kenny fairly well. Yeah. You know? If the Orioles called him and said, hey, we'd like you to do 20 or 30 games, would he still be in Baltimore, or are they planning to move to Florida? I think they're planning to move to Florida, and I think uh, he he's... wants to spend time with his family. Okay. All right. That's code for uh, not interested. That's code for no. Uh, Then at 11.05, one of my favorite people in the game of baseball, not that Kenny isn't, but is the king of swing, Terry Crowley, Mm -hmm. who's still getting down to Bowie and working with some of these hitters. I remembered one of the reasons I had him on is how much he loves Trey Mancini. Mm -hmm. And there's a player that you would say, really, Terry Crowley loves this guy? He was the one that told me last year – uh, was it last year that Chris Tillman 
did a rehab start there in Bowie like in May or something right. like that. He told me then, he says, this Austin wins. You know, he's been here for a few years, but, you know, it's kind of like Caleb Joseph. He stayed at that level for, I think, like three seasons. He said he has really come on. He has really come on, and he's he's going to be a solid backup catcher. He can hit a little well, bit. Well, let's hope so, because last night he dropped a ball at the plate oh. on a throw from Adam Jones Yeah, uh, that uh, cost the Orioles at least a time. Should we scratch the whole interview with Crowley? No, 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 no. Uh, but he, he dropped a ball at the plate from right. on a throw from Adam <clears throat> Jones that would have cut down the potential tying run on a two-run single. When it became 4-4. to When four. it became 4-4, four to four, right. And then he... Uh, Made a throwing error on an attempted steal. The ball or, went way into center field later in the game. Or actually, wasn't that the the, the run that made it two to two? Might, yeah, might have been. Yeah, yeah. Boyd yeah. hit a two run homer to two tie run, right. it four to four. I think. Yeah. Then he uh, hit another two run homer. All right. Well, Terry Crowley's going to be with us. He still likes Austin wins. You uh, chatted with Chelsea Janes on Thursday. Yeah, before the Nationals left for the road uh, to because they've got a road trip right now while the Orioles are home, three against the Mets, three against the Phillies. So, okay. Uh, and they sort of uh, altered course this past week, they trading did. Daniel they, Murphy and Matt Adams. Right. Murphy to the Cubs and Adams to the Cardinals. Uh, a lot of people think they're thrown in the towel. I don't necessarily think that that's totally the case. Uh, but there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect going on there. I mean, Mike Rizzo basically said, no, it's it's not really a, a throwing in the towel. Dave Martinez is saying the same thing. Some of the players in the clubhouse that we had a chance to talk to still very much upbeat, even though you know they've got a daunting task ahead of them the last five or six weeks of this season. Uh, but what it does for me is now, now Ryan Zimmerman, one of the hottest hitters on the team, right. is going to be at first base at least five times a week. Mm-hmm. And with Adams there, Mark Reynolds was not getting any at bats. Right. So other than a pinch hitting, you know, visit here and there, so that gives Reynolds a chance to get some more regular at bats and dispels him at first base. Uh, Defoe pl- proved all last year he can play every day at right. second base. Now he'll get that opportunity, and he started off again very well. Uh, so we'll see what happens going forward. But uh, uh, that's to me the positive of that. Uh, but the other part of it is uh, for the Nationals, you know, they go up last night and they lose a game uh, where Gio, again, pitches pretty well. And, and he'd had a couple of clunkers, but he went seven innings, gave up one run, and yet they couldn't score. So yeah. it's a tough deal. Well, I mean, I understand what you say about Adams vis-a-vis uh, Zimmerman, but uh, Daniel Murphy seemed to really be starting yeah, to hit Murph, the Yeah, but Murph's ball. a defensive liability. I'm sorry, he is. I, I understand and, that. Uh, because, because he's never recovered from the knee injury. Right. Lateral movement has been an issue for him. And, yes, he had to go through uh, basically a spring training once he came off the DL at the major league level without a whole lot of rehab starts. Right. Uh, but, uh, again, I, I'm, not a, I'm not that devastated. They saved $4 million. He's going to mm-hmm. be a free agent at the end of the year, so this was a good time to do it. Okay. I, I think it was a good time to do it. I just uh, I can't disguise it and sort of say well, that no, it wasn't but, a you – know. But there, 
from a depth standpoint, they're good enough with who they have on the they, field. Right. If Strasburg comes back right. and pitches well down the stretch and, right. uh, and, and Geo and Tanner pitch and, well. And we'll find out more about win. Tanner today when he pitches, but he's had five very solid starts in a row now. Right. The tricky thing that's happened to them, though, is they no longer are in a position. The, the wild card will come out of the West and the Cardinals are going to probably make the wild card now. Well, there's yeah. some there's some teams ahead of them. Yeah. They've got a yeah. they've got a shorter path to yeah. the wild card than they do to the division title. Uh, they may have a shorter they may have a shorter path, but there's even more teams but now. But they involved play in that. but they play those teams head to head, so there's a chance to do that. All right. Uh, the team that seems to have benefited most, Craig, at the trade deadline was the Atlanta Braves. Uh, that Kevin Gosman trade has he's really got a two ERA yep. since he got down there. Yeah, yep. and he, he went eight innings the other night, pitching well. Yeah, we we knew that would happen. Well, we knew that would happen, and there's also some ex Oriole uh, people down there that are probably helping him along the way and uh, allowing him to do some things that maybe pitching development here won't allow him to do. So. All right. we'll, we'll see what happens. Now, one of the other players the Orioles traded uh, at the deadline was uh, Zach Britton. And mm-hmm. you got a chance to sit in or you want to set this up? Well, yeah, we, we got a hold of Zach about four thirty, five o'clock in the dugout, uh, in the Yankee dugout before the game. And uh, just talked, first of all, about how it feels to be back in town. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, walking down the tunnel, going past the home side. I stopped in for a second just to say hi, but... Uh, I'd never been on the visiting side, so yeah, this is all new. What type of memories flood back when you do walk in? Uh, a little bit of everything. I remember the first time, you know, I, I came here and made my first Major League start. Um, you know, playoff games here, you know, closing games here. Just a lot of different memories. Um, so it's, it's good to be back. Buck speaks very highly of you. Were you able to stop in and, and talk to him at all? I haven't yet. Today's been, there's been a lot of stuff going on trying to, Talk to teammates that I didn't get a chance to talk to when I got traded. Um, you know, people in the front office or even, um, you know, the training staff. Um, I got traded so late in the night that a lot of them were home. So just kind of stopping in and saying hi to them and catching up. What kind of a reception are you expecting tonight from the fans? Oh, I don't know. Um, they've been great to me, so I'm sure it's going to be nice. But uh, they obviously don't like the Yankees either. So it's going to be a, a mixture of some boos and some cheers, I think. Have you thought about what it's going to be like if you get to pitch at Camden Yards, but obviously for the Yankees? Yeah, it's going to be different. Obviously, you know, the parts of seven, eight seasons I had with the team here, you know, pitching uh, for the home team. So it's going to be a little different, you know, pitching in a Yankee uniform here. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I have a lot of great memories here, so I'm just excited to be back and, and, you know, compete here again. What's the transition been like for you? I know there's been some good, some bad things you're still working on and still trying to get consistent at, but what's been the biggest adjustment and just the transition in general? Yeah, you know, new team, uh, new faces. I've uh, been with the Orioles for 12 years, so um, it's a lot to get used to when you go to a new team, and I'm obviously pitching in a lot different role than I've pitched in, so just forming a new routine has been the biggest challenge. I feel like uh, I'm doing a pretty good job now of, of getting into a routine, so I'm ready to throw in the role that I'm in right now. Zach, I know it was emotional leaving <clears throat> when you got dealt. How emotional was it coming back, taking the field for pregame here? How does that compare? Um, you know, it was just it was just fun to see the guys. You know, a lot of guys have gotten traded from this team, so it's not the same team that I left. But um, it's just good to see the guys that I had the relationship with. You mentioned the different role with Chapman on the DL. Do you welcome the idea of maybe getting some uh, closing opportunities here? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that was the most comfortable role I've had. That's the only role I've had in the bullpen, really. I went from starting to, to pretty much closing games. Um, so, yeah, that's a comfortable place for me to fall back on. But um, if I need to throw, you know, where I'm throwing right now and let Dellen or, or Robbie get some save chances too, I mean, it's, it's going to be, you know, I think the situation is going to dictate who gets in there. But, yeah, obviously I, I've had success closing games and I'll be comfortable in that role. But I'm getting comfortable in the role I, I have now too. Zach, you faced friends before. Uh, you know, in the ninth inning, guys you know played with. Have you thought what it would be like this time seeing Jones or somebody in there? Yeah, the only time I've faced those guys is inter-squad games. Um, so, yeah, that'll be that'll be weird. Uh, but I've done it before, faced some former teammates, and um, it's just a fun little battle. And then when the game's over, you know, you text each other back and forth. But, um, you know, it's it's just going to be weird, but I'll get used to it today. And then, you know, out here tomorrow will just be another day. Your last three outings were pretty good before that. You gave up some runs uh, how would you sum up your first month as a Yankee? Um, you know, a little bit in between. Some, like you said, some good, some bad. Um, you know, I, there's a, I can be a lot better than what I've shown, and I think that's the one thing. Um, you know, I'm not um, anywhere where I want to be right now. And I think the Yankees knew that when they acquired me, um, that I still had a long way to go to get back from the surgery. Um, but there's been some flashes you know, of good stuff. And when I left Baltimore, I was in a pretty good spot. Um, and then just trying to get adjusted to the role in New York. But like I said, the last three, four outings, I felt a lot more like myself, a lot more comfortable. And I think that's just getting comfortable wearing a new uniform, new teammates in a, in a different situation. And, um, you know, I fully expect from here on out just to kind of get back on the horse a little bit and, and put off, you know, some good outings and help this team win and, and do what I'm capable of doing and what, what they traded me to do. Zach, uh, you know, it's been a month. It's been a month. Since you've since you've been traded, does it feel does it feel like it's just gone by so quickly that it's been a month with all that's happened? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, going from the situation in Baltimore where you're losing a lot of games to, to New York and being in the hunt now again, um, there's something about that that kind of gets you excited. And the time does seem like it goes a lot faster when you're winning. Um, I know just talking with those guys, it's, it's been a long season for them and. Um, you know, for me, it was nice to go to a team that's winning, get my mind off of some injury stuff and getting back into a situation where, you know, the wins, each win was important um, and they continue to be. So I, I'm happy that I'm in the situation I, I'm at now. It was hard to leave the team, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be with the Yankees. Yeah, but good to see him back, and I think he's going to really help that team down the stretch. And the well, I'll tell la- you, last I'll night, tell you, they they need him. They now need him the now. Does Chapman hurt? Right, exactly, and that may be his role now until Chapman gets back. And the other thing last night about it, just the whole idea of closing at Camden Yards. He gets his first save as a Yankee uh, against his former teammate, his fifth overall this season. Aaron Boone said after the game. It seemed like the stuff was electric, right? He said, but you know, he says there was also a little bit of an uptick to because the velocity was, yeah, and things. He was that, right, exactly. His now, team. now so you, you heard somebody ask him, you know, what's going to be like a pitching to a couple of your friends and that kind of thing, and it was interesting. Yeah. He, he left the ball up. Jones took it to the opposite field right. to get to get on base. He was erased on a double play because that was the next hitter after Trey that, Mancini. Mancini. Yeah. Uh, but then Chris Davis went down and got a ball and drove it right out center field yeah. over against him. So uh, I think he's going to really help, and I wish him nothing but the best. Yeah, he's one of the good guys. Um, I wonder if he is really dominant over the next two weeks. I'm wondering if when Chapman gets back, Chapman isn't used more in the Andrew Miller-Cleveland role 
you know, in other words, why mess with a good thing if Zach is really back on the ball? Well, I mean, you know, in the next two, three weeks, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll prove that because Chapman's going to be out for at least that long. Uh, he had a, the P, wor- a P, uh, what are they called? P, PNB? Uh, uh, oh, the, uh, the, the injection, plasma, the plasma, yeah. plasma injection yeah, right. shot. And uh, uh, in, in, in the knee. And P&B is a peanut butter sandwich. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, no wonder you were thinking about it that way. <laughs> anyway, uh, and, and Aaron Judge is going to be down a little bit longer than they thought, too. And they're still missing Sanchez. And they're still missing Sanchez. Is they, he due uh, back at all? Uh, I'm, I'm hearing that that could be a little bit of time, too. Not but, that much time left. No, there's not that much time left, but here's the other thing, and, and a lot of guys brought this up at the clubhouse afterwards, you know, you got to keep winning ball games because all of a sudden that wild card, they they have the it's top. It's not a lot. It's, yeah, not, it's a not a lot. lot. So they gotta they gotta continue to win ball games. Yeah, um, it's funny how that works, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. And and in the meantime, all of a sudden Boston has had their first stumble, and the Yankees have picked up like two and a half. I'm not no, saying it's, no. but you know we remember 1974 around August 20th or something. The Orioles had were behind the Red Sox like six games or something like that, we swept them on Labor Day in a doubleheader and vaulted past them in a week. You know, sometimes a team can collectively turn off the, you know, the mojo saying, well, we got this, mm-hmm. we can coast, yeah. and all of a sudden another team gets hot, well, which is what which is what happened to the Houston Astros. Well, but they've... they've Gotten back to a game and a half in front of Oakland, right? Uh, but they lost. They also lost twelve games in exactly two months yeah. to Oakland. Yeah. So I mean, but Oakland's got themselves right back in the thick of things. No question about it. All right, we're going to pay a few bills here. When we get back, we're going to be joined by Mr. Adam Pohl, and we're going to go over some of these uh, Bowie Bay Sox uh, new players uh, that they've uh, gotten in uh, all these trades. We'll see how they're doing. Hey, tonight. Saturday, August 25th, your Ironbirds take the field as the star-spangled banners of Aberdeen on Opioid Awareness Night presented by Lido's. Come see the world's best extreme pogo entertainment as the ex-pogo stunt team perform throughout the game. Enjoy the number one rated fireworks performance in Northeast Maryland post-game. Visit ironbirdsbaseball.com or call 410-297-9292 to secure your Ironbirds experience. On Saturday, August 25th, your Ironbirds take the field as the star-spangled banners of Aberdeen on Opioid Awareness Night presented by Lidos. Come see the world's best extreme pogo entertainment as the ex-pogo stunt team performs throughout the game and enjoy the number one rated fireworks performance in Northeast Maryland post-game. Visit ironbirdsbaseball.com or call 410-297-9292 to secure your Ironbirds experience. Pressbox's Project Game Day is back at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game. You can react live with us on Pressbox's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime and he's joined by the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard postgame. Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Catch all of the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Pressbox's Project Game Day. Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports. 
It's Toyota's National Clearance Event at Jerry's. The absolute best time to buy a new Jerry's Toyota. Right now, Jerry's has new Toyota RAV4s with 0% financing available or 3000 cash back. New Toyota Camrys from $149 a month at Jerry's or $1,000 cash back. Plus, every new Toyota comes with Jerry's exclusive extended service care. Visit Jerry's Toyota on Bel Air Road or visit jerrystoyota.com and unlock your special price. Special financing and lease with approved credit cash back from Toyota August 27th. Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find your local turtle. Our buddy Steve at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square has sweetened the menu with the Summer of Peach, featuring a chili and delicious white peach tea lemonade that combines tea and lemonade with fresh white peaches. Many of us were already mixing tea and lemonade, while Chick-fil-A added the extra twist of an essential summer taste, peach. Visit the official Glen Clark Radio Chick-fil-A store on Campbell Boulevard in Nottingham Square. Hi, it's Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer from Glenn Clark Radio. We're going to be talking a lot of Lamar Jackson on our show, but I want to make a promise right now. For those of you that tune in to Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday from 10 to noon, we will talk about something unrelated to Lamar Jackson for at least 30 solid seconds every day. Kyle, I thought maybe we should give people an idea of some of the topics that we might discuss other than Lamar Jackson. For example, we might talk about Chick-fil-A sauce. Aliens. The television program Detroiters. Jesus stealing pizza. All these things are options for... 30 solid seconds and then we'll go right back to Lamar Jackson. GlennClarkRadio.com PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and watch the show Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. The latest edition of PressBox is available now and it's our annual college football preview edition in which we offer thorough previews of the season for all of the FBS, FCS, and Division Three programs in the state. Additionally, the edition includes a preview of the high school football season for the region as well. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Well, we are back on the bat around Stan the Fan along with Craig Heist. Birds play the Yankees in a day-night affair at uh, Camden Yards. 105 starts game one and 705 start two, uh, game right, two. Exactly. Who, who are the pitchers? Do uh, we know? Well, Yacobonis <clears throat> is pitching one of the games, so I'm assuming that's going to be the afternoon game. Okay. So. And do we know who's starting for the Yankees? Uh, I have no idea. All right. Do we care? <laughs> Uh, we don't really care. All right. Do we I can, know who's? Do I we can know who's? Find out for you. Do we you know who's starting game two for the Orioles? Is it Ramirez? Uh, I believe it is. Yes. Boy, that's a painful, painful. Uh, all right. Let's oh, let's yeah. be joined by Adam Pole uh, right now, the play-by-play voice of the Bowie Bay Sox. How's your voice this week, Adam? Hey, good fellas. How you guys doing? Uh, we're doing great. We're doing great. First question. If uh, Buck Showalter turned to Bowie and said, boy, I need a starter for tonight's game, is there one of the starters there that you think could could pitch effectively at the major league level right now? Yeah, you know, I, I, Keegan Aiken has been the best pitcher in the Eastern League over the course of the entire season. You know, when you look at it, uh, there have been some really good pitcher pitching in this league. Uh, some, of course, are already in the major leagues right now. That happens quite often where 
some you know pitchers in Double A that start out extremely hot, uh, finish the year in the major leagues. But Aiken, he had a really he had a tough night last night, but he's got 14 wins and uh, that's really saying something. It, you you don't see many guys that end up around 15 wins in a minor league season that often. And uh, Aiken, in fact, he'll have two more starts uh, with the Bay Sox this year if he stays in Bowie here. And, uh, and and if he wins one of them, he'll tie the Bay Sox all-time single-season wins record. So um, I, I think that he would be the guy. Now let me ask you a question. You posed an interesting point. Not that many people win 14 games at Double A because mm-hmm. if they're pitching that well, they normally either come up to the big leagues or they take the next step to get ready to be in the big leagues. That's Triple A. Why do you think the Orioles decided to just keep Keegan Aiken on the straight and narrow at Bowie rather than exploring with him up at Triple A? I think it's because of his age. Uh, I think the Orioles want, uh, along with many teams, they, they want guys to get a certain amount of time and starts in the minor leagues. Aiken, remember, he skipped over Delmarva. Mm-hmm. Uh, he pitched in Frederick last year and had ups and downs. So you know, having success doesn't just predicate that you should go immediately up. You know, uh, he was just drafted in 2016. Um, he's a 22-year-old pitcher, uh, so he's still very young, and, uh, and they're building him up you know, to hopefully be a big league starter in the next year or two. So um, the reality is when you look at a lot of the players, let's just take a look at the last generation of the Orioles. You know, guys like Scope, Machado, Weeders, uh, almost all of these guys played more games at the double-A level than anywhere else. Yeah, but you're so pointing, it's Adam. not really a surprise. Adam, you're pointing to position players. Uh, the guy, <laughs> right, that, the yeah. guy that comes to my mind that I always thought that the Orioles mishandled was uh, uh, Kevin Gosman. He Gosman mm-hmm. never proved to be dominant at any level of the minor leagues he was pitching at, and yet they kept bringing him back up here, stringing the yo-yo down to send him down for two or three starts, bring him back up. Uh, I wonder if they learned a little something with that. Yeah, if you go way back, remember Daniel Cabrera had a great arm, and he jumped from low into the major leagues in an instant, yeah. and, and he was never a, 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 a good major league pitcher. I, so I, I think that, um, you know, Aiken, when, when, you, when he came into the season, it wouldn't be a surprise at all uh, if, if Aiken was going to be with the Bay Sox all year. That would have mm-hmm. been... Uh, the guess, and he's had a great season. You know, you, you look towards next year, and like right now, Dean Kramer has had some success with Bowie, and Tate has struggled a little bit early on. But Dylan Tate's been at Double A for more than a year, and my guess is that uh, you know, going into next season, if you had to, to guess at it, that Tate would be a guy that could start in Norfolk, and Kramer would more than likely be a guy that would begin the year in Bowie. And, and would have a chance at, at moving up as the season continued. When if you just look at numbers for four starts or five starts, you might think differently. So uh, a lot of it is how much time you spend at a certain level. All right, Adam, we've made all these trades. Uh, a lot of people landed at Bowie. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm one of those guys that's an instant gratification type guy. <laughs> so uh, Let's let me... not talk about your sex yeah, life. I know. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, see, see where he takes this show, Adam? Just <laughs> right, right well, down well, you're talking about food right down the hopper yeah that's where he takes this show anyway 
Uh, how many of these guys can literally get up here and help this team in the next year or two? Oh, in the next year or two, um, I think you're going to see. Uh, so right now of the Bay Sox that, that are currently with the team, there are seven of the 15 that were traded right. for. But more importantly, 13 of the 15 that were traded for are either with the Bay Sox or higher. Right, so uh, w- when you look at that number thirteen, uh, my guess is that uh, probably, yeah, of course, you've already seen many of them in the major leagues, but seven or eight of the thirteen will be in the major leagues by the end of next year. Okay. And um, wow. it doesn't mean they're all going to stick in the major leagues, but right. but we'll have played. Of course, you're already talking that three or four have already been there, and. Um, yeah, and then of course they've got the the two guys that are that are younger uh, have, have done pretty well. So I know there's a lot of uh, excitement for the third baseman in Carnacion that's had a great start in Delmarva. Many feel like he might be the big piece that the Orioles got in that Gosden O'Day deal. As far as other than that bonus swap money that could net you the big prospect uh, in Victor Victor Mesa. So um, I, I think that. Uh, that what you're looking at is a lot of guys that can be major leaguers, but 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 you're not looking at uh, you, you need more. You know uh, th- th- this group, uh, this wave that will come is not going to be uh, it. That's going to take the Orioles uh, to, to becoming a, a great ball club again. Well, that's right because you you supplement it through not just your minor league system, but whatever trades you go ahead and make uh, during the course of the year and in the off seasons. Go. Yeah, but you're also looking, you know, at the possibility of getting the number one player in the international market this year. And that's important because that player's 21 years old mm-hmm. and not 16. So, therefore, they're going to be a major leaguer in the next two or three years. And then you're also looking at uh, the possibility of having the number one or two pick in the draft. Uh, you know, the last time the Orioles, the only time the Orioles, I think, had the number one pick uh, was Ben McDonald. So, I, I think that um, that you're looking at, in the next few years, if if the Orioles are down here, uh, of them being able to acquire some big time, as they call them, top one hundred prospects, and, and and seeing those guys rise, and 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 when those guys make it, that kind of being the group that was similar to Machado and Scope, uh, that that helped you know Baltimore rise in 2012. Well, and you go back 9, 10 years, that's exactly how the Nationals kind of got built by having back-to-back 100 lost seasons and then they well, they were able to they were able to draft Strasburg, they were able to you know, Ray draft Harper. Harper and then Rendon came as a as a was it the 9A player and and so I mean, they were able to do a lot of great things with that. Exactly. And, and I mean, you're seeing it throughout almost all sports, but the Astros are the newest example of that, um, of being able to have the top picks. Correa was the number one pick in the draft. Right. Um, you know, and, and then still draw through the international markets, and uh, Altuve being the major piece in that regard. And um, I, I, there, there's so many signs of it. it. It's almost like you want to be really good or you want to be really bad. If, if you're in the, right in the middle, you can kind of get stuck there. Yeah, well, the Orioles this season have been on the uh, the other side of that coin. They've been very, very bad. To answer your question, <laughs> to answer yeah. your question very quickly, yeah. it's uh, Yaka bonus in the first game against J. Happ. <laughs> 
Okay, J-Hap. Um, we're talking with Adam Pohl, play-by-play voice of the Bowie Bay Sox. Adam, before I talk to you about the three guys that the Orioles developed themselves, uh, mm-hmm. two of which have had some bad injury luck this year, I do want to get back to the two pitchers you talked about, Tate and Kremer. Uh, yes. First of all, is it pronounced Kremer or Kramer? It's Kramer, like uh, Seinfeld. Like, like Seinfeld, he okay. Only not, a, Seinfeld. only not a racist. Um, let's talk a little bit about Dean Kramer. Um, the other night he pitched a a beautiful ball game from what I heard. What do you see in him? And is this guy kind of an intriguing guy to have gotten? Not a, not a high, uh, profile guy when we got him, but he was on the come a little bit, um, with double a, uh, in the Dodger organization. Is this an intriguing guy to you? Oh, most definitely. You know, he's the right age. Once again, I always talk about age when, when I talk about guys because he's twenty. In a league where the average player is twenty-four, he's twenty-two. Okay. And he was a sixteenth-round draft choice. Uh, so out of college, uh, he was a UNLV guy. See, he really, uh, yeah. When he was drafted, we're not talking about a major prospect here. Yeah. But uh, but but obviously, he's one of the leading strikeout guys in all of minor league baseball. Uh, I think that his strikeouts are going to uh, they're going to go down a little bit as he goes up the ladder. He you can tell that he's got a great curveball, mm-hmm. and you can tell that he got a lot of strikeouts getting guys to chase uh, in in the lower levels of the minors, and that's going to obviously change a little bit. It's going to yeah. not be as high as he goes up the ladder, but he's still at more than a strikeout an inning here now, five or six starts in uh, with the Bay Sox, so. He's had a great success. The big thing is that um, I think he can really spin it. You always hear this term spin rate, and uh, he's got that curveball. His fastball is is kind of a low 90s fastball. He's not an overpowering fastball guy, but he gets a lot of swings and misses with it, and that that's what you'd like to see. Um, if anything, maybe he could work on a third pitch. He throws a slider. He doesn't really use a changeup all that often. Uh, but I know that he's a guy that really watches video. I think he's very in tune with himself and his mechanics. And uh, more importantly, kind of has a little bit of a bulldog mentality. You know, I mean, he's, he's a very competitive guy. He's seen the one getting in trouble with, in Bowie to get big strikeouts at big times. And, uh, and obviously, uh, in Richmond uh, this week, uh, had an outstanding outing. Let me move to the other guy, and then I know Craig wants to talk to you about a couple of those players uh, I mentioned. But Dylan Tate, um, this is a guy who obviously a uh, high-profile draft pick by the Texas Rangers, got dealt to the um, uh, New York Yankees, and now the Yankees use him to acquire Zach Britton. I don't see a big league starter when I look at the numbers. I see a guy that uh, smells of transition to bullpen. Uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, it's a good question. You know, he doesn't really get people off balance much. Um, you know, uh, another guy that doesn't really have much of a change up. He, he's more of a, uh, a guy that can, I mean, he's got the hardest fastball. He can be a mid nineties fastball guy. Um, and of course, if you put him in a short roll, it could be even more. I would assume uh, he's got a good slider. And uh, and for Tate, he's been a ground ball pitcher. You know. Aiken and Kramer have had more strikeouts. Uh, they've, they've had more success, even though their fastballs don't have the same velocity of getting swings and misses with the fastball. But they're also more fly ball pitchers. 
and Tate is more of a ground ball pitcher. He's been hurting Bowie by the big inning, you know, and and and, and that's that's really what's gotten them. I mean, you look back uh, two or three starts ago against Reading, five shutout innings, fifty-seven pitches. He's getting weak contact ground balls, and then boom, a five-run rally against him, and he ends up six innings, five runs allowed. His last start against uh, against Richmond in a loss, a three-to-one loss. You know, he went six innings, five of them scoreless. He gave up three runs in one inning. So, so for Tate, um, I, I, you know, who knows? Right now he's been a better pitcher from the windup than from the stretch, obviously. But, um, but he's had very good double-A numbers <coughs> with Trenton before. And you just have to wonder if, um, you know, what, what he can become. If, if he can uh, be a solid starter, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry about that. And and um, obviously, you know, he's four or five starts in here with Bowie. But the, the big thing with the base sacks, I guess, with Tate also is that he was coming off of the disabled list and then got traded. Mm-hmm. He didn't even make a start before coming off the DL. Yeah. So it's kind of been a weird disruption. Yeah, but I don't. Season. But I don't see much durability <laughs> there. Uh, this is the highest level of innings he's pitched. In his big league. That's true. I mean, he, yeah. he's, he's, it seems like he, he's always on the deal for a month a season yeah. and a guy that's done 20, 20 starts or so. So I, I wouldn't I stray th- away from him being a starter yet, though. All right. Craig? Mountcastle, uh, I'm thinking, is it, all the hype that surrounds him. Yeah. Okay. When are we going to see that come to fruition? And also, talk to me a little bit about Hayes and also uh, Hunter Harvey. Hunter Harvey. What are we hearing about these guys? Well, you know, for for Mount Castle, I mean, he's had a, he's had a phenomenal season at the plate. You know, for his age, and uh, obviously now he's spent more than a year in Bowie, so he's a ball player that you would expect to see in Baltimore at some point next season. Uh, the question is, where are you going to play him, obviously? He is playing better this last month here at third base. He's got a very awkward throwing style. Um, he does not have a, a great arm. But, obviously, he, he's a kid that puts in the work. He's gotten better, you know. There's no doubt about that. But um, but defensively at third base, he, he's, at this point, uh, uh, not going to be a great Defense. He's not Brooks Robinson over no, the third base. No, and that's what I was more afraid of than uh, anything else. What right. you tell me? How has uh, Austin Hayes come back now from the DL? Well, with Austin Hayes, uh, you know he's had the, some flourish. Uh, he looks healthy to me. I mean, it, defensively, he's running down some some you know some balls in the outfield. That's what you worry about because Hayes uh, had a, an ankle injury. Uh, you know, obviously that, that has cost him a few months. What a bizarre injury it was. And uh, with, with being a cyst in his ankle that was swollen, and uh, basically they finally uh, gave him a cortisone shot, and it worked as far as relieving uh, that, that, uh, that swelling. So um, he has been hurt a little bit by the breaking ball. We saw that in the major league in his stint last year. Uh, he has not had a good week at the plate this week, last week. He had a great week at the plate. And, um, but uh, I think he just needs some at-bats. Uh, I don't know what the Orioles' plan is for him, but I bet he's going to play somewhere this fall. Okay. He could even be overseas. He might play uh, in the Dominican or in Venezuela, somewhere do like that. He do, you expect, do you expect to see him up in Baltimore in September, or you think they're going to go conservative on that? 
the thing is, he's already on the forty-man roster. So okay, so it might make very sense to bring him up. Could be, but but I don't know. My my guess is they go more conservative. Uh, but um, all right, we've got uh, we've I got. Think, I think they want him to get at bat. All right, I'm sorry to rush along, but we're we got Ken Singleton in about two minutes. Okay, real, real quick, Hunter Harvey. Uh, I'm confused. I never understood from you two months ago that he injured that shoulder not pitching, but rather right. s- spectating in the dugout. He moved awkwardly. Uh, <laughs> how, how? What's the prognosis? Is he going to pitch at all this year? No, he's okay. not. You know, they, they had a setback again this week. It's one thing after another. Yeah. Um, and they shut him down from pitching, I guess, uh, with, with some elbow tightness. Uh, once again, they're saying it's not something that's going to result in surgery, but Harvey, since he injured his shoulder uh, in the Bay Sox dugout trying to elude a, foul, a line drive foul ball uh, in early in the month of June, uh, unlike Austin Hayes, who stayed with the Bay Sox, Harvey immediately went down to Florida. And, and when that happens, you know, they look at that as more of a long-term rehab. All right. We really appreciate your coming on. We didn't even get into talking about Yuznail Diaz. Give me a 30 seconds on him. He suddenly is showing a little bit of what the Orioles wanted. Yeah, you just want, you know, it's, it's almost exactly the scouting report given where he shows every tool, but it's only in little flashes. Yeah. You want to see more of it. You, you want to see more consistent, solid contact. Uh, but he's got speed. He's got some power. He's got a great arm. I think in the big leagues, he profiles most as a right fielder. All right. You're a good friend and a good play-by-play voice for the Bowie Bay Sox. Always informative. Thank you very much, Mr. Thank Adam. Thank you, guys. Ball. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. We're going to be joined momentarily by Ken Singleton, and we'll talk to him about whether this is really it for him uh, as a – Play-by-play announcer. I think you'll probably get a, an affirmative answer uh-huh. on that. All right. And, uh, I, I was always hoping to hear him doing Oriole Well, games. I mean, that would be great, and yeah. it would certainly make sense for him if he decided to do that right. on a very limited basis. But when we had him on a couple of months ago, right. he was pretty determined. I mean, to, to you know, pretty call it a career. Call it a career and go spend time with his family. I mean, Kenny's just turned 70, yeah. and... Uh, God, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it either. And you were yeah. talking earlier in the show about where does time go when we were referring to Cal Ripken's birthday yesterday. Yeah. And, I mean, it just flies. And, you know, those were the two most enjoyable, enjoyable nights in a ballpark yeah. I have ever had. And, and, and people ask me, what's the best thing you've ever covered? And I would say those two nights at Camden Yards, 2130 and 2131, yeah. yep. just the absolute best. Uh, we're trying to make our connection with Ken Singleton. You know, it's interesting. Uh, a lot of people say that about you, that they wish you yeah. would retire. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you know, you were asking me what what would I do if you ever left and retired, and yeah. <laughs> I figured we'd throw the party. I'm trying to think <laughs> where that might be. At the Costa Sin. At the Costa Sin, maybe. <laughs> You've been over there lately? Uh, How are the not crabs? this week. How are the crabs running? Well, I don't know. I, you know, since I'm 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 so in, entrenched in PETA now that I'm really worried about, you know, crabs and you know that kind of thing. Right, right, right. All right. What up? Never mind. Ah, aha! There we yeah, go. It's Mr. Singleton. That's right. He knows. He knows who to call. He knows who to call. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> he called right back. He was a little worried about that. Yeah. Yeah. Ken Singleton, a switch hitter. Uh. 
and one of the one of the best all-time Oriole hitters, really, when you think no about question it. About and, it. And, and, and I don't say this just because he's on the other side of the line, but one of the things that I've missed most of all, in the even in the good years, the last six or seven, the Orioles don't have any hitters like Ken Singleton that make the other pitcher work. Yeah, Ken, is that a lost art these days? Uh, well, I, I will tell you, Stan, we, you see a lot more strikeouts nowadays. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, there are certain hitters that, that uh, go deeper into counts. Uh, certainly Aaron Judge of the Yankees yep. does. He draws a lot of walks. I think it's because uh, pitchers are kind of afraid of him. They work very carefully. Uh, but he's been on DL for a while, so they haven't seen him. Stanton, too, to a certain extent. Um, you're right. I, I don't see many guys in the Orioles like that. Now, they, they are free swingers. They they're up there swinging the bat, uh, you know, trying to go deep in this cozy ballpark. But uh, uh, a lot of their home runs, I think a major percentage of the Oriole home runs are solo shots. And you know what Earl Weaver loved? He, he loved, loved the three-run three homer. homer. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think guys s- get on base and then somebody hit one. I want to say 63% of the home runs that they've hit this year, Kenny, have, have been solos. Yeah, absolutely. Let me wow. ask. Let me ask you something real quick. We were uh, in the hallway yesterday talking a little bit about the injuries the Yankees have endured here uh-huh. of late. What's the, what's the story on Aaron Judge right now? Uh, well, uh, he has yet to pick up a bat. I mean, initially, the Yankees said it was going to be three weeks before he'd be able to, uh, he might be back in the lineup. Well, now we're well past and It looks like we're going to go uh, deep into September before he's ready. He still hasn't picked up a bat. He still, he still says he has pain in his wrist. He's had a cortisone shot, but uh, still that hasn't alleviated the pain. So uh, uh, it looks like they're going to be a while without him. Uh, to me, I think Gary Sanchez will beat him back. Sanchez is uh, uh, going out on a rehab assignment starting today. He's going to play in the Gulf Coast League, uh, then work out for a day, and then head to AAA. And uh, uh, depending on how many games before they feel he's ready, he'll be back in the Yankee lineup. Uh, they're, they're talking about when the Yankees head out to the West Coast trip, uh, when they go to Oakland and Seattle, and that starts uh, September 3rd. Kenny, uh, Gary Sanchez, you've now mm-hmm. gotten, to, gotten to watch him a couple seasons. Would the Yankees be smart to proactively move him to first base? This is a guy whose injuries seem to be a lot dire- directly related to his squatting. You know, he's got the yeah. groin problems, uh, and that doesn't seem like it's ever going to change. Yeah, to be honest with you, Stan, uh, I, I don't think they would do that. I think they, they recognize his value as a catcher and a, a good hitting one at that, although uh, this year he was hitting 188. But I think part of his problem was he wasn't in great condition this mm-hmm. year. Okay. Uh, he came off a decent year, a decent start to his career. But this year, I think his second time on the DL has more to do with getting him in shape rather than that groin injury he suffered for the second time. And, you know, the groin injury was not as serious as the first time, but I think the Yankees were kind of tired of uh, what he was doing behind the plate. Okay. wasn't moving very well. So basically, whenever you saw a video of him, it wasn't really much of him hitting. It was him running the bases and running in the outfield. And, and uh, I'm anxious to see what he looks like when he gets back here. And to Stan's point and that question, what does that mean then for Bird? At first, and also what well, we've he's seen, saying they're not going to consider moving well, Sanchez. Okay, but first. what we've what we've seen out of out of Voight now, where yeah. last yeah. night, what last night, Aaron Boone says there's no question there's there are at bats for this kid to be mm-hmm. had, and we get it, we get it. I know it's been a small sample size, but yeah. he was pretty impressive last night. 
Well, Void's starting again today. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, that would tell you that, uh, you know, Bird didn't get a hit in Miami. He's kind of struggled. He got hot. Oh, he, he got his average up into the 230s, and he was rising. But now he's back around the 200 mark. And the Yankees are in a situation where they need to win games. You know, they're, they're trying to make the playoffs, if not catch the Red Sox, who look like they're off and hiding from everybody else. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Yankees want to at least have the wild card game at home. And, uh, you know, if, if, if there's a bat to avoid, he can contribute to uh, continue to contribute like he did last night, he'll play. We're talking with Ken Singleton. Ken, uh, you were a switch hitter in your day. The Orioles right now, obviously, in a rebuild mode. Uh, mm-hmm. They now have the opportunity, at least for the next five weeks, to to have two switch hitters at the top of their order in Cedric Mullins, who I know you've only seen for one game, uh-huh. uh, and Jonathan VR. How, how much of a help is that to to the lineup, to the manager, to have a couple switch hitters in there? Well, uh, what you can do is, from a managerial standpoint, when you write your lineup down, you just write those guys in there. <laughs> You're yeah. going to play against everybody. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I think back to the day. It, it's funny you mention that, Stan, because uh, last night Eddie Murray was in town, and I yep. had a chance to talk to my former teammate. And I, I, I believe that Earl started his lineup 3-4, put me third, Eddie fourth, and then built around that every day. Yeah, so, it does um, make it easy. Yeah, it? it does make it a lot easier, especially if guys can be uh, productive. I mean, not many guys are going to be as productive as Eddie Murray, but uh, uh, if they're doing the job, they should be playing every day. Everybody was wearing those nickname uniforms last night, and they did a little video tribute for Eddie on the on the big board out in center field. Right. Yeah, and I he, saw and, that. And he stood up and he held his jersey up, which said "Steady Eddie" on the back yeah. of it. And that certainly well, was Eddie Murray, wasn't it? Sam? Yeah. Well, you guys know that that's very true. I, I mentioned it on the air last night that. Um, <coughs> Uh, he never hit more than 33 home runs in the season, but he ended up with over 500. That's pretty steady. Hey, you guys, um, you players that become ex-players, you miss the camaraderie of being in the locker room and being part of a team. You've had the benefit of over these last 15, 20 years of being part of a team in the broadcast booth. How excited did you detect Eddie is to be back as part of a team? Well, I, I I can understand that uh, you know Eddie's uh, been with other organizations, but I think uh, the Orioles are number one in his heart. Yeah. So for him to come back here uh, uh, really means a lot to him. Hopefully, uh, somebody will listen to him because he has a lot of baseball knowledge. There's no doubt about it. Just it wasn't just the fact that he was a Hall of Fame player. Uh, you have to have a certain amount of smarts to play the game. And I I think that the, if people listen to him and listen to his thoughts about not only the players that they have or maybe other players around baseball, you know, they'll come out ahead in this whole deal. And the same thing goes with Brooksy, too, but uh, now that Brooksy's back as well. Brooksy, Brooksy is back, and we he, he makes no bones about his being more of a ceremonial position, uh-huh. and he's thrilled to be a part of it. But, Eddie, uh, I agree with you. Um, you know, when you talk about trying to translate Trey Mancini, Chris Davis even, a uh, couple mm-hmm. of those hitters that haven't gotten there yet of getting big hits all the time, Eddie Murray's mental approach to the game could rub off on a lot of people, couldn't it? Well, his, his ability to focus in big situations was almost like uh, no other player I played with. Uh, you know, he came up in big situations, well, 19 grand slams. I mean, yeah. that should tell you something right there. That, uh, you know, when the bases were full, he was looking to do some damage, and he, he usually did. 
You know, uh, one of the, 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 the quotes that I always use is, John, I think it was Johnny Padres it's attributed to. He said, greatness in the clutch isn't the player stepping up as much as being able to stay even keel in that moment while mm-hmm. the other player recedes a little bit because of the pressure. Do you yeah, agree with that? I, I certainly do, Stan, and I will tell you this. I, I've said it many times on the air. When you step in there with men on base and a chance to do some damage and maybe put your team ahead late in the ball game, tell yourself as a hitter that the pitcher is the one in trouble here. Yeah. He, he's got to execute the pitches. If he doesn't make a, a good pitch and you hit the ball hard somewhere and it falls in, you're just uh, capitalizing on his mistake. He, he's the one who's in trouble. Well, we've seen Brooksy come back here in a liaison-type position. We've mm-hmm. seen Eddie, and we've talked a little bit about that. If the Orioles came to Ken Singleton after this year and said, you want to come back and maybe, I don't know, do 15, 20 games in the broadcast booth and then help (laughs) out? Home games. Home games, yeah, where you wouldn't have to travel or anything like that. (laughs) Uh, Well, Sorry, sorry, Singy, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. (laughs) I I think that ship has sailed, and I will tell you this, yesterday I signed on for with yes again for next year. You know, oh, you know, oh, okay. So yeah, you're my back. my boss is very persuasive. Uh, he called me about a month ago, and he said, basically, you can do what you want. We'll give you a very soft schedule. Uh, so you got, the, pa- you got the Palmer role now, the very <laughs> soft schedule. <laughs> so I'm not doing that many games. Uh, I've got it. We have so many guys who do our games that, yeah, yeah. that for, for me, dropping back doesn't really hurt them the way okay. it might some other team. So uh, it's going to be two series in Baltimore, no travel. Two series in Tampa Bay. I have a home there. No travel, uh, and basically a uh, couple other series wherever I want to go. So uh, that's outstanding. Uh, that's know, great. When you work with good people, you know you want to stay with them. And now he's now he's got that Johnny Carson type of thing going over Carson's <laughs> last three or four years. When he was you never work, on. work three days a week, right. and then the rest. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I got to hang out with Ross Grimsley and Bumbery and Tiffany Martinez and play golf. So. Uh, you know, that, that's big, too, for me now. Hey, uh, tell us a, a little bit about um, Aaron Boone as a manager. Uh, how do you think he's done? And have you talked to Joe Girardi, and is he chomping at the bit to get back? Or do you think he's settling in for a little bit on the TV gig? Well, I, I, you know, with MLB, he does a good job. Remember, yeah. Joe was uh, working in the booth with us yeah. before he went down to become the Yankee manager. Uh, I think Boone's done a good job. I mean, uh, look at the team's record, second-best record in baseball. If it wasn't for the Red Sox uh, and uh, what they've done this year, you know, Boone might be considered for manager of the year. He still might be. Yep. Uh, but the, the fact is, uh, you know, Alex Cora's done a great job up there with the Red Sox. I mean, these are two rookie managers, and they've piloted their teams to uh, the two best records in the game. It's uh, a really tough division. Uh, the division's kind of going back the way it was when I first got here with the Yankees where it was the Yankees and the Red Sox and everybody else trying to scramble. I had to laugh. Uh, so, I had to yeah. laugh because you, when I went in the booth yesterday to ask you about that, uh, about coming on the show, and, and you referring to right now rookie managers doing really well, mm-hmm. and, I, and I mentioned the Nationals to you, and you looked at me, you just stopped dead in your tracks and looked at me and said, what the heck is going on down there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, they've got a good team, and I thought they'd be much better than they are. And uh, yeah, I don't get to see them all that often, but I know that uh, the Braves are good. I know the Phillies are a very good team, two up-and-coming teams. And I don't know if the Nationals are going the other way now, but uh, certainly this year they have. 
How good are the two young players in the infield uh, that the Yankees have in Glaber Torres and Michael Andahar? Uh, well, uh, and Duhar is, uh, at this point, if, if they had to vote for rookie of the year, I think he would win. I mean, really? he's got 41 mm-hmm. multi-hit games. Yep. He's hitting close to 300. He's in the top 10 in the league in hitting. He's got uh, 37 doubles, I believe, and he's up there in extra base hits. I think only uh, one other rookie uh, with as many games played in Yankee history had more extra base hits, and that was Joe DiMaggio. So that, that, that tells you uh, what Andujar is doing. As far as Torres, uh, he's starting to warm up a little bit. Uh, he, he went on the DL. He had a, a sore hip. A strain, and he was out for a while. Uh, he cooled off, but now it looks to me like he's starting to get his swing back. He's a very important player because he can play shortstop, and with Gregorius out, that's where Torres is playing now, short. Yeah, uh, let me ask you this, though. You, you, you mentioned the West Coast trip, uh-huh. and we heard a lot of guys last night in that clubhouse talking about the, the, the way they won that game last night. Very important win. We have, mm-hmm. to, we have to maintain our lead in the wild card. Uh, but a lot of teams are chasing you, and you're going to get a chance to play a few of those teams yeah. uh, on the West Coast. That's a big, big trip for this club. Well, they're going to Oakland and Seattle, yeah. and uh, that starts on uh, Labor Day, September 3rd in Oakland. Uh, the Yankees did not win a game in Oakland last year. They, they got swept in a four-game series, and all of them were heartbreak losses from the seventh inning on. Uh, they played a little bit better in Seattle. Uh, so we'll see. This is a tough. Oakland's got a good club. I mean, yeah. they got a low payroll, but somehow they're doing it. Their bullpen's very strong. So they're, they're sort of like the Yankees. You want to have the lead going into the sixth, seventh, and eighth inning because they can uh, parade these arms out of the bullpen that are just lights out. How good was it to see Zach get that first save as a Yankee last night? Uh, uh, it, it was. Uh, he came over and he struggled a little bit. I think getting acclimated to a new team. Uh, struggled a little. Uh, he had a game where he gave up a home run in Chicago, another game where he walked in the tying run. Uh, but then he lately he started to look a lot more like Zach Britton, and that means uh, strikeouts and, and ground balls. Yeah. And uh, last night, picking up his first save as a Yankee, particularly here at Camden Yards. I mean, a team that uh, yeah. you know he played for for so many years against the or- uh, with the Orioles and uh, did so well. I-, I pointed out last night, his year two years ago, might have been the best year that a closer's ever had. Zero point five four ERA and the forty seven for forty seven and saves. I, uh, you, you just don't see that. That's like a once in a lifetime sort of thing. One one quick question about Britain, and then I got one other question for you. But uh-huh. if, if Zach were to really all of a sudden get on a roll for his next five or six games while Chapman's out, maybe eight or nine games while yeah. Chapman's out, do you see with Chapman's injuries? that maybe Aaron Boone would sort of use Chapman more in the Andrew Miller-Cleveland role and keep Britain as a closer? I know I'm putting the horse before the cart a little bit, uh-huh. but uh, could you see that happening? It could possibly happen, but there are several pitchers out there who could close games, including Britain. You've yep. got David Robertson. Yep. Uh, I wouldn't move Patances from the eighth inning spot. He's been so good there this year that they, they should just leave him there. Uh, I, but they do. he has some choices. Chapman is the closer. Yeah. I, I think uh, even Britain knows that. Okay. But uh, we don't know how long Chapman's going to be out. That, that's, you know, he's had this knee tendonitis off and on during the course of the year, and he, he had a shot yesterday, and they, they say it's going to be a while before he's back. So Britain looks like he's going to be the man 
uh, closing games right now. All right, I got one last question for you. Put on your uh-huh. and ironically, the guy that's following you on the show today is Terry Crowley, who is a hitting coach. Oh, Extra- the king of swing at the king of swing. Um, but I want you to you've you've seen Ken uh, Chris Davis probably yeah. eighty a hundred games over the last five six years, maybe even more than that, one hundred and twenty uh-huh. games. What do you see? I know he had a great night last night. Do yeah. you see a guy who's capable of getting back to being 75% of what he was when he was one of the feared sluggers in the game? Well, I, last night, I think, I think he's hit 12 home runs since uh, late June. Yeah. So he, he might be starting to get it together here. I, I, this is, it's just too many swings and misses for me. Yeah. I, I, I just not enough contact. And you can see what he does when he does hit the ball. I mean, he hits as well as anybody in the league. But it's just... I don't know if it's focus or whatever. Yeah. But uh, it, it just—that's uh, just too many. Just yeah. Throughout baseball, too many swings and misses. Yeah, you know, with him, to me, what I see is too many takes on the hittable pitches, and then uh-huh. he sets him. He sets himself up for failure by then giving the pitcher the the added edge of being able. Yeah, to maybe throw he's, maybe he's guessing too much. Yep. All right, Ken Singleton, great news to hear that you're back for another year. Craig, that means we'll be able to sn- Yeah, we'll be able to call him in. Yeah, that's yeah great. because you, when, you, when you're going to have Ken Singleton followed up by Terry Crowley on the show, than that. yeah, that's, that's a heavy hitter lineup there. Yeah, make sure you tell Terry I said hello. I yeah. will. I will. Okay, I'll see you guys. at the ballpark today. All right? All right, Stan. Okay. Okay, there you have Ken Singleton, one of the best. That's great news. Absolutely. He sure answered that question about whether if the Orioles came calling. Yeah. He says, well, that ship well, has sailed. Eh. Yeah. Because, well, yeah, but it, I disagree. When he, says, when he says the ship has sailed, I think the guys that are running the show now would be res- really oh, much no more inclined to, yeah. to do that. Yeah. Uh, but that's great news that he's coming back and able to pick and choose his schedule. So it sounds like he's going to do – 25 games tops. You know. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, it's great to talk to uh, old Orioles that uh, help you out. Uh, and one of the guys I wanted to talk to and about a couple of Oriole players that I know he's worked with uh, extensively are uh, uh, Austin Wins and, um, and uh, T- Trey Mancini, two of the guys mm-hmm. that he's worked with to help him get to the big leagues, and we're hoping to grab Terry momentarily uh, on the show. Yeah, and uh, what's, what's great about Kenny coming back and doing the Yankee games, uh, I, I think really it, it gives him that flexibility, but also it, uh, it, it allows him to, you know, all these ex-ball players, they always talk about being around the game. And that's one of the things that happens when a player retires and he's fortunate enough to get a broadcasting gig is the fact that he's still able to enjoy the camaraderie of the players, be around the game, uh, continue with the knowledge of the game, and, and, and allowing that to, to be kind of, if you will, uh, soaked in by the, by the fans. Yep. And, I, and I think fans really appreciate that. And... It would be for me. It would be much better for Kenny to be doing that here, yeah. as opposed to in New York. Well, we've always felt funny. He never played for the Yankees. What? He played yeah. for the Mets. Yeah, played and for the Expos, the Orioles, and the Mets. Right. So from that standpoint, actually Mets Expos. Right. Yeah. Right. He went. He went to Montreal in the. Did he go in the Rusty Staub trade? He may have. Yeah. I'd have to look that up, but he yeah. may have. But 
I'll tell you, what a great guy and always helpful and, uh, you know, one of those guys that will come up to you right. at the ballpark and go out of his way to say, hey, how you doing? And yep. That kind of thing. And sometimes that's sorely missed in this business. No question about it. No question about it. The Yankees have some good people in their broadcast booth. I mean, you yeah. and I love Susan Waldman. Yeah. Uh, John Sterling. Uh, and, and here's another one. John yeah. Sterling just turned 80. 80. Can you so, believe that? That's hard to believe. I mean, number one, he doesn't look 80. Number two. He doesn't look a day over 79. No, Well, no, but I'm saying he doesn't look 80. Yeah. And the other part of it is with his enthusiasm and his zest oh, and love for yeah. the game. You, you, you know, and I don't care what anybody tells you. Being around this game keeps you young nope. i mean young at heart anyway what happened to me i don't know yeah. you, lo you lost your hair and <laughs> everything just went downhill yeah. the from teeth there. the teeth <laughs> i got hair where i don't want hair I, anymore. I understand it's terrible um you know john sterling was the first guy that i ever called on a radio show mm -hmm. he used to do a general talk show in baltimore on wcbm in about 1965, 66, in that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And I called him a couple times. His show leaned heavily towards sports, but he was talking politics and everything back then uh, in a less uh, crazy time. But uh, I remember I'd call him, and I'd, and all of a sudden I'd get the question out, you know, somehow, and then there'd be a click, and then I'd hear him answering the question very on, quickly, on the right, right, on very the... quickly, but they moved kids along back into, if you were 11, 12 years old, they did not want you on the air. Ah, well, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. But uh, he, he's always been, I, I know a lot of people get tired of the, you know, it is high, it is far, that kind of thing. And right. Some of the nicknames he has for players who hit home runs and things of that nature. And uh, but uh, I mean that's totally a New York thing, right? That's just like if uh, you know to a lesser degree Chuck Thompson saying you know ain't the beer cold or go to war Miss Agnes that kind of thing. John Sterling's got his own niche up there. Yep, yeah, yeah he sure does. We're having trouble making our connection with Terry Crowley, and uh, we will continue to try for a few more minutes, and then if not, we'll just uh, move it on from there. Okay. Um, the. Uh, Orioles and the Kansas City Royals locked in kind of a death stare. For the number for, one for, pick. For the number one pick. But I don't sense, like I do in basketball, I don't sense any type of tanking, no. so to speak. I see two teams that are ill-equipped to win most days, uh, but, but I don't question the effort of the manager, uh, of the players on hand, so... Your thoughts? I don't. I don't question it either, and uh, it is what it is, as the players like to say. Uh, but you know, if you're Buck Showalter, my, my bigger question to this is what happens now after this year. I mean, Dan Duquette's engineered all these deals. If you'd asked me in the middle of the year who stays, who goes, I would have said, well, Buck's probably going to stay, and Dan's going to be the one right. to go. I've totally flipped on that yeah. now. It, it appears to me that you know this last six weeks of the season. Are going to be Bucks probably last last as an Orioles manager. You know that loss last night slipped him. I think one game under five hundred yeah. as the manager of the Orioles. You know it's hard to believe even after the the really pretty good run here, which started uh, admittedly 
Well, actually, he was over 500 those last two months when he took over yeah. in 2010. And then, and then but he had a, a bad season in, in 11. Right. But then, even with all the winning they've done for the last six years, he started this season only with a 515 winning percentage. Right. So when people talk about him, and you and I know him, we know he's one of the best technicians in the game. When he's got the right players, the, the bullpen, he handles it adeptly. But when they start comparing him to Weaver in terms of his impact on the game, it's not an easy yeah, sell to me. It's not. Well, it might not be an easy sell, but the other end of that is Earl had much better players than Buck had. No question about All it. All right, but well, he maybe. had, but he had pretty good players up in New York. That's when true. he was rebuilding them, right? And rebuilding the Diamondbacks and rebuilding Texas. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean. Buck's done a pretty good job at bringing terrible yeah. teams yeah. out of the doldrums and making them competitive and contenders in many instances. Yeah. So from that standpoint, I'm not going to sit it's there. Just and it's just tough uh, when you when you judge him career-wise. I hear all that you're saying. It's, it's amazing that this season – has sunk him below 500. Well, it is, but then again, I you know I think heading into this season, I think there were a handful of folks that thought 90 wins was possible, and there were a handful of folks that thought they were going to be just god awful. Which but, turned but out that would have been 70 wins, yeah, but, 68 but, yeah, or 70. Yeah, wins. but then but and then there was a a handful of people that felt probably right around the 500 mark, yeah. and. You know, it just turned nobody, out. Nobody thought no, there was going to be a struggle to and win 45 And then Jonesy, Jonesy wins that uh, opener of this season with the walk-off, and everybody's saying, well, here we go. Yep. And then all of a sudden it just, you know, like somebody flipped a switch, it went in the tank. Yep, yep, yep. It's been a, a rough season uh, for the Baltimore Orioles. You know, it's interesting. I think most of us felt the way you characterized it, that Dan Duquette, was going to be out at the end of the year and that Buck would be still around or that he would have the choice to elevate himself to maybe being in Dan's position. Mm -hmm. uh, now it's a, the, the whole thing seems to be up in the air with just uh, over five weeks left in the season. It, it does, and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens after the last game of the regular season uh, and, and, and see what direction the boys want to take this in. Uh, but from my standpoint, I'm always a big guy as far as continuity is concerned. And uh, I think you've had some pretty good continuity with Buck and Dan. Uh, but obviously, reports throughout their time here yeah. say that they don't necessarily see eye to eye and that there's some headbutting. Yep. And But but they've seemed to be able to make it work to a large degree. They did for most of the most time of the together. Time, yeah. No question about it. But you, you, you do have to remember that Dan, when he came on, he inherited Buck. Mm -hmm. He didn't hire Buck. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, listen, uh, I see both sides of that, but the bottom well, line is... Buck, Buck maybe inherited Dan a little bit, too. <laughs> uh, you know, the thing is, I, I always say it, Craig, in the best of times when you have the oars all going in the right direction, it's damn hard to win. If, if you've got two guys that aren't quite in sync, it makes it all the more difficult. No, not, sure. that, not that everybody should be a yes man at all times, uh, but uh, uh, 
you know, um, it, it's been a rough go for both of them, I think. It and has. This year has been exceedingly difficult. Um, we're having trouble reaching Terry Crowley, so well, we'll we'll put that on one hold. You want to take a break and then come I'll back tell you and what, uh, we'll let's, talk to Chelsea James? Let's do that. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll go right into an interview that Craig was able to get yesterday, I believe, or Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Thursday with the Washington Post, Chelsea James, about some of the change in direction uh, or not. Specifically Matt Adams yeah. trade, the and Daniel Murphy trade, and just what we, can, what we can expect down the stretch out of this Nationals team. Uh, all right, and in the last half hour of the show, we reached out to Dan O'Dowd yesterday, the MLB Network. We got a nice interview with Dan O'Dowd that's still in store for you. You're listening to the Bat Around, and uh, one of the people that started out the show today not being where I thought he'd be, but it's my fault. I didn't call him to confirm yesterday because mm-hmm. I'd just been assuming that Steve Garland, you know, rehabbing that knee, he's going to be laying at home. He's probably back at the restaurant. Big Bats, the original sports bar of Ken Island. Located 216 St. Clair Place, Stevensville, Maryland. If you're on the way down to the Eastern Shore or back from the Eastern Shore, there's no better place to stop, relax, and eat. It's also a great place, destination point, to just stop over one night and watch a Caps game, a Wizards game during the winter, uh, or during the baseball season, a Nats or an Orioles game. They've got pro football on all the time. They've got all the college football you could want. And uh, you can sample some of the best bar grub around, whether it's sandwiches, salads, soups, or subs. It's all there for you. It's Steve Garland's Big Bats. Tell them Stan the Fan and Craig Heist sent you. I'm excited to tell you about one of our newest partners, Loop League. Find them at loopleague.com. What are they all about? Well, this is very cool. You can link together events from across the sports landscape into one comprehensive fantasy pool. So let's just say you're like us. Maybe you're playing a World Cup pool right now. You want to keep that fun going with your friends after the World Cup is over. Maybe you do a football picks pool that you loop together, and that fun continues throughout the course of the year. Start a league today. Invite your friends. Single event leagues are free. Multi-event leagues are just a flat four. 4.99 fee for the entire league, not per person, just 4.99. There's plenty of competitions that Loop League has. I mentioned the World Cup football picks. It continues MLB playoffs. They'll be doing stuff like that. I mean, they even do UFC fights. But if you've got an idea for something that you want to do, you can tell them at Loop League on Twitter, and they'd be willing to consider it. They've got 21 events on the platform right now, with more coming. This is something that was started by local guys. It's extremely cool. Loop League. Find them at loopleague.com. <laughs> Our buddy Steve at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square is sweetened the menu with the Summer of Peach, featuring a chilly and delicious white peach tea lemonade that combines tea and lemonade with fresh white peaches. Many of us were already mixing tea and lemonade, while Chick-fil-A added the extra twist of an essential summer taste, peach. Visit the official Glen Clark Radio Chick-fil-A store on Campbell Boulevard in Nottingham Square. On Saturday, August 25th, your Ironbirds take the field as the Star-Spangled Banners of Aberdeen on Opioid Awareness Night. Presented by Lidos. Come see the world's best extreme pogo entertainment as the X Pogo stunt team performs throughout the game and enjoy the number one rated fireworks performance in Northeast Maryland post game. Visit IronbirdsBaseball.com or call 410 297 9292 to secure your Ironbirds experience. 
KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KO from the PressBox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer, the, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College, College football. football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. In the market for a used car? Stop. Stop looking at used cars and go buy a new Mitsubishi from Jerry's. New Mitsubishis are more fuel efficient and they come with a 100,000 mile powertrain warranty. During Jerry's model year-end sale, new Mitsubishi Mirages start from only $9,300. Or check out the hot new 2018 Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross, loaded with tech. And it comes with all-wheel control starting at $21,000. Visit Jerry's Mitsubishi on Joppa Road and jerrysmitsubishi.com. Prices plus tax tags and free. Sale ends August 27th. Pressbox's Project Game Day is back at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game. You can react live with us on Pressbox's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime and he's joined by the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard postgame. Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Catch all of the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Days Grill. Great food. Good sports. Pressbox's Project Game Day. Facebook.com slash Sports. Welcome back to the Bat Around. Craig Heist along with Stan the Fan Charles on this Saturday morning. And with us, uh, the beat writer for the Washington Post uh, for the Nationals, Chelsea Janes. And uh, we're live and in person. How about that? Yeah, it's special. It's different. Not, not on the phone. Right. It's different. I'm more awake than usual, I think. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about what this uh, club has gone through in the last week and a half or so. The trades of uh, Daniel Murphy to the Cubs and Matt Adams uh, to the Cardinals. And and automatically a lot of fans are thinking, well, they're throwing in the towel, that kind of thing. I don't necessarily see it that way just because of the people that are still on this roster and knowing that, yeah, they're seven and a half games out as we talk, but they can gain ground in the wild card too because they play those teams, the Phillies, uh, the Brewers come here in another week and a half. I mean, there's a lot of things still to play for for this team. For sure. You know, I, I think I understand the thinking that it, it looks like they gave up. I think in their minds they sort of, you know, the front office said, you know, what's wor- what's happening isn't working. We might as well sell. Um, but, yeah, they're still in it. And, and you sort of figured that, you know, the unofficially giving up means unofficially there's no more pressure. Like, no one expects them to come back at this point. And I think that's when they play best. So they might have played themselves into a more comfortable situation for them. They've never been great at, you know, dealing with expectations for better or worse, and I think maybe now they don't have any and they look a lot better in two days. <laughs> and you know what? The other part about this is I think one of the hottest hitters on this team is Ryan Zimmerman. This gives him a chance now to play every day and get regular at-bats. There's no more Matt Adams and then Ryan Zimmerman here and there. Uh, another thing with Daniel Murphy being gone is that we saw what Wilmer Defoe did last year and how well he produced, and so far since he's taken over every day, he has done that, and he's probably going to play better defense than Murph. Yeah, the defense got a lot better um, you know, without Murphy. It's no knock on him, but he, he never really bounced back from the knee on the defensive side. So you know, Defoe makes a big difference there, um, you know, and, and you know he's going to kind of 
bring the energy every day, which I think is really important. You know, these guys, they've been through a lot, and he's just kind of this fun, goofy, loud presence that you sometimes have to rein in. But at this time of the season, when everyone's tired, it's, it's better that than, you know, having to kind of get everybody going every day. After the series with the Phillies, now you're in New York for the weekend, uh, and then you go to Philadelphia. Uh, obviously, big, important games within the division. They're in a stretch of 12 games within the division. Uh in terms of what Dave Martinez is trying to tell this team, and I know you asked that question earlier in the week, uh, I guess basically it's just still to be the positive, upbeat Dave Martinez. Yeah, you know, he might be the best guy, you know, suited for for a season like this. I know people think he's not doing a good job. I think the clubhouse would disagree with that. I think, you know, he's always got guys hanging out in his office. You know, the big guys have all come out and said, it's not Davey, we believe in Davey. Um, but, I, you know, he, he is just sort of relentlessly positive, and I know that bothers people sometimes because you want him to be mad or whatever. But um, when you're in a situation like this where the front office has said, we're done, um, this, that's what you need. You need somebody who's like, hey, maybe we're not. You know, maybe we let's just keep going and see what happens. And I think that's he's never been down. And I think that's really hard to do in a season like this when almost everyone else has been down. Well, I think Mike Rizzo kind of spun it that way. But then Mark Lerner puts out a, a letter to the fans. I'm not so sure how good an idea that was. But he basically was saying, yeah, maybe it's time to give up on this season. Yeah, I think that reveals a little of the disconnect there. You know, I'm sure Rizzo didn't want it. We've never seen Mike Rizzo back down from anyone. Um, so I, it strikes me as more of an ownership decision to offload those players. Um, I could be wrong. But it, it was a different vibe. And I think, obviously, like, he and Davey have to spin it forward. Like, what choice do they have? But, um, but yeah, it's, it is interesting, kind of a mixed message. But you sort of never expected these guys to just say, okay, let's lose 12-1 to every day. Like, that's, that was never going to happen. So... Um, maybe they're ready to make a little run. It might be too little too late. Let's talk a little bit about Bryce Harper. Uh, this guy was hitting 209 back on June the 20th, and now he's hitting 252. And the production since the All-Star game has been out of sight. It has. And, and it's funny, like, he's never driven in 100 runs, but I think he's at 82 or something now. Like, he's he's on par with everywhere you'd want Bryce to be, except for average. And, and he looks a lot better. You know, his BABIP has gone up 200 points I think you know he's hitting the ball the other way he's not trying to hit home runs all the time and and I think for him like it's it was a big weight off his shoulders to not get traded and to see people still love him at the at the home run derby you know that stuff matters we sort of underestimate it but he's a person too and and to feel like they want him here and people still love him I think mattered a lot I think I'm in the minority and let me know what you think I think this can still get done and some kind of deal can be struck with Bryce in the offseason to have him back here. Yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, it, it'll depend on the market. If he doesn't get the deal he wants, like nobody's got deals they wanted last year, then this is a really logical fit. I don't know that the Yankees are a fit. You know, everyone thinks Machado will sign with the Phillies. They're not going to go get Bryce, too, you would think. Um, the Dodgers don't put together that kind of money. The Cubs are pretty crowded. So it's like there's no natural spot. This is probably the most natural spot, but... There's, you know, I wouldn't expect a hometown discount unless Bryce suddenly doesn't see the market he he thought he had and, and realizes this is where I should be. This outfield, as it's currently constructed, there's been a lot of Adam Eaton, obviously, in right field with Bryce playing center and Soto in left. The odd man out, obviously, is Michael A. Taylor, who basically sees time as a defensive replacement here recently. Uh, but when you look at the uh, the outfield as a whole going forward into next year 
put your crystal ball hat on and let me know what you think about how it may look. Yeah, it, it obviously depends on Bryce. I mean, if Bryce is there, I think then you trade Robles, you know, maybe Taylor, maybe Soto, probably not Soto, um, to go get Real Muto, to go get a starting pitcher or something like that. If Bryce isn't here, then I think you probably see Soto, Robles, Seaton with Michael Taylor as a, a fourth outfielder, and you're probably in good shape and paying about $13 million for your outfield. Um, so, and you just say, hey, we're going to run with the young guys. Um, so... I think either way they're in really good shape, but it, it does hinge on Bryce, and you sort of hope that that he doesn't hold up their offseason, that he doesn't sort of prevent them from doing the things that they're going to want to do early because he's going to sign late or something. Well, some other decisions have to be made from a pitching standpoint as we look toward next year. You know Max is here. You know Strauss is here. Uh, what does this mean now for Gio and Tanner going forward? Joe Ross hasn't pitched all year, but there's a chance we may see him in September. Uh, what do you think some of the options are going forward to next year? Yeah, I think they need to find two starters. You know, I, I think Gio's pretty much gone. Um, you know, Tanner looks a lot better, so he'll be kind of he'll be there. You've got three guys locked in. You'll have Fetty and Ross as depth. I think they really got bitten by their lack of depth this year. So maybe you sign a guy like Hellickson to have as a sixth starter and say, hey, you're going to pitch. You know, look at how this always goes. You're going to pitch. Um, but if they could go out and get two starters, you know, you don't need to go pay for a frontline guy. You need a four or five type. Um, I think I think they could be in really good shape because then you do have Fetty and Ross and go down the line and, and you just look a lot deeper than you did this year. And, and they've been exposed over and over again for starting pitching depth, which is the one thing that was always supposed to be steady for them. Back in May, you wouldn't have known that. And then June and July rolled around and then the starting staff, their ERA went above five. Uh, and that's even with Max Scherzer and, you know, Gio and, and Tanner, because Tanner really struggled during the middle part of the year. Uh, but again, it all starts with starting pitching. We know that. But Mike Rizzo made a comment when he made the trades this past week that, you know, we have the one-year plan, the three-year plan, the five-year plan. They're trying to keep this thing competitively are competitive to where they don't have to go through a rebuild much like up in Baltimore. Right. No, they definitely won't rebuild. I mean, if you even if Bryce leaves, you have Robles, Soto, Eaton, Taylor, you know, Rendon, Turner, buy a second baseman, Zimmerman, get a catcher. You know, you, you have Doolittle in the bullpen. Like, you're already sort of locked in at the, the tough spots to fill, and, and you're going to have $80 million come off the payroll. Even if you don't put all that back in, you've got enough to go get some really good players. So, um, and he's always done a good job, you know, making things work in the trade market too. Um, so, yeah, they'll have to rebuild the bench. They've got a lot of work to do, but I, it, it'll be a remodel, not a rebuild. Let me ask you something around Major League Baseball. Uh, the Braves this year, we knew they were coming. The Phillies, we knew they were coming. Are you surprised it came as quickly as it did? Yeah, and but yes and no. I mean, I think that's when it happens, right? Is like when they aren't supposed to be anything, and then the pressure's off, and. And the young guys can just play and, and exceed expectations. It's so much easier to exceed them than to meet them sometimes, I think, as the Nats have shown, you know. Um, but that's, yeah, they've come and they've, it's been, uh, it's been impressive. I think the Phillies maybe surprised me a, um, a little bit more, but I'm also surprised the Braves starting pitching held up. But it'll be interesting to see what happens down the stretch because a lot of these guys on both teams haven't pitched this many innings in big games, so... September, late August is usually when you see that hit, and I think you're starting to see it with Philly, and who knows if we'll see it with the Braves. Uh, Max Scherzer, uh, we saw him pitch against the Phillies in the final game. It looks with the way he's been pitching, he could be on his way to a third straight Cy Young. 
and, and that would be so impressive if that happened. Yeah, it's that or an MVP, you know, which is crazy to think about. Um, but, yeah, he's he's been really impressive. He's right there, and, and I think, you know, he probably wants it. I think that would be a, a Hall of Fame lock for sure, if not, he's not already. Chelsea James of the Washington Post, thanks for being with us on the bat around. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, and we thank Chelsea James, who does a fantastic job covering the Nationals for the Washington Post. Joining us now is somebody we had a little bit of a phone problem with about 15 minutes ago, but he's my good friend and a friend of Craig Heist as well. That's the king of swing, Terry Crowley, still working for the Baltimore Orioles in the roving capacity in the minor leagues. Terry, how are you today? Hey, Stan, I'm doing good. Sorry about the uh, mix-up with the phone. That's all but, right. Uh, we're all set now. That's all right. We know we got about 10 minutes, so let's get to it. Modern technology. Modern technology. <laughs> hey, um, the guys that you are working with this year that we just acquired, and I know um, Keith Bodie works with them directly, but can you tell us a little bit about uh, two of those offensive players, Yuznail Diaz, the um, – kind of the star acquisition in the Dodger trade for Manny Machado, and the other kid that's the infielder, Ryland Bannon. Can you tell us a little bit about those two guys? Yeah, well, Ryland Bannon, to begin with, um, he came from the uh, California League, I mm-hmm. believe, and had a brief brief stint in, in AA, and we uh, naturally started him in AA, and... Um, He's making some improvements. He ha- he has a very um, very strange batting stance, and um, I think he's going to have to smooth it out to to rise as a hitter. But okay. he's got some power, and he plays real hard. I, I like him at defense at second base, and uh, he's on the back burner for me. He he's got a little ways to go, okay. but uh, will be better better suited to to. Check him out in a year or so. Okay. How about the kid Diaz? Now, I know he got off to a terrible start, and then all of a sudden I look up and he mashed the ball for about a week or ten days. Uh, what do you see there talent-wise? Um, you see pretty much a, a guy with some tools. You know, he runs pretty good. He throws pretty good. He's got some size, although he's not uh, He's not a huge player. I guess he's probably about uh, – Six two, mm-hmm. two ten, and um, you know he had a he had a little work to be done in his swing, and um, like you mentioned before, he's with Keith Bodie, yep. and you know we saw him together when he first got here, and then we worked with him a little bit, and now I'm pleased with the progress he's making. He's a little more direct to the ball. He's got much better plate coverage than when we acquired him, and um, he works hard. and And I think um, if he continues to improve the way he's improving, we could we could see him at the big leagues. Um, I won't say shortly, but we can see him at the big leagues. All right, at the big that, league level. That sounds pretty good. One of the guys we've just started to see at the big league level is a guy I know you worked with for a couple of years, and that's Cedric Mullins, a switch-hitting outfielder. I first got introduced to Cedric in the spring training 2017. I saw him hit a triple against the Twins, and I hadn't seen an Oriole with that kind of speed in a long, <laughs> long time. And I yeah. was like, I was yeah. shocked. 
Um, yeah. He's made some strides, though, hasn't he, as a player? Yes, he has. He's um, He's been with us for a while, and, and again, he's had the, uh, I guess, the luxury to, uh, you know, work with a Keith Bodie, who's an ace, and when I'm in Bowie and in town with him, you know, we, we work together, so... And he listens, and he's a very, very nice person. Yeah. And he, he he's humble. He listens, and he wants it very bad, and badly. And um, you know, he. I think he's in the right place at the right time now for the Orioles. You know, he gives you some life, even even if he takes an over three. You know, he's an exciting player. Things happen. You know, if he hits a ground ball and uh, shortstop bobbles it or something, he's going to be on first base. Whether it's a hit or not, he's going to be on first base. And he's a threat to steal. He's a threat to score on a long single or double for sure. So, you know, he's what the rebuild is all about. Yeah. You know, and um, and we have nice players that, that we can build around with him, like uh, Mancini. You know, Mancini's going to be a fixture. I know he's not having a kind of year I had hoped he'd had or he had hoped he had but you know he Mancini has hit a lot of balls hard Stan a lot of balls hard just when he was about to to turn the corner he'll hit two balls hard and he'll make two diving catches and he's back to square one again so he's still a real good hitter a real fine hitter a guy that you want in the middle of your lineup so you know I, I just wanted to mention that about Mancini because um the numbers don't tell a story on his year. You know, it's been a frustrating year, but he's a he's a real fine player. And I a mean, quality, uh, quality person really is a quality. Person. Yeah, I mean, if you put him if you put him on the trading block, the the phones would light up. Mm-hmm. You'd get you'd get thirty calls. You know what I mean? So that's the kind of guys that we have to uh, look forward to the future here with. Crow, let me ask you something about Mullins, and that's that we, we see how dynamic he can be uh, at the plate, on the bases. One thing in center field, though, that I've noticed is not that great a throwing arm. Is that something that he can do and do some things that, to work on to improve that? Like Al Bumbry did. Yeah, like yeah. Al Bumbry did, yeah. Yeah, Greg, um, I'll tell you what. I couldn't throw very well, but I could go out and play left or right field and not be a not be a liability to the team. You have to learn how to charge balls that are hit. You got to know you know who's on base and who's running, and and if there's a single up the middle, you can sometimes get to that ball before the runner on second base is taking ten steps. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, if you charge the ball and get to it, the third base coach is going to hold them up. And I'll be honest with you, I, I'm not sure what the statistics say, but you don't throw very many people out from center field. Right, you know, right. right field, left field, yes, but center field is a, is a position where you want a guy to go get the ball in the gaps, which he can do with anyone. You want him to be able to go back on the ball, get to the wall, jump, you know. So he's, uh, I don't see his defense hurting the team. You know, and and as time goes on, he his arm might strengthen a little bit. You know, he, he's fairly accurate with it right now. You know, he, it's not a it's not a gun like Jones had when Jones was younger. 
Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a workable situation right now. You know, Al Bumbery did not have a strong throwing arm, but over time he worked on getting to the ball a little bit quicker. He was still careful not to let the ball get by him, but he knew that he had to, to really hustle to the balls in front of him, and, and his mechanics got a little better and it got a little stronger for him. Absolutely. That, that comes with experience. Plus, plus your second baseman and your third baseman on balls in the gap that maybe end up laying at the base of the wall. Um, your shortstop and second baseman can go out a couple extra steps because, uh, you know, if it's Beckham, he's got a strong arm, and, you know, who, who it might be at second base. And they can they can help out very much in that situation. You know, uh, Mullins would just have to pick the ball up barehanded, make an accurate throw to your cutoff man, which he can do, and and they take it from there. We're talking with Terry Crowley. Terry, I know we only got a couple minutes left with you because I know you got to hit the road. A uh, couple players yeah. I wanted to ask you about going to Aberdeen. Going uh, to Aberdeen today to see the babies. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Are there any babies you like there so far? Yeah, yeah, yes, there are. There's a uh, there's a bunch of guys. I know two guys we just got in the past draft. Uh, Cody Roberts is a catcher from uh, North Carolina. He's okay. making great strides. He's got a real good arm, and he shows promise. And there's a right fielder by the name of Bobby Newsom that. Uh, you know, it's very early to talk about these kids because mm-hmm. they're just getting started. They're just using the regular wood bats, but he's he's big on my potential list. You know, he he's got unbelievable power. He's got a live body, and and um, you know, he he's somebody that I got to circle around. All right, now I wanted to ask you about a couple of people that I know you've had circles around for a while, and that is um, Austin Hayes. Where do you see him? I know he missed uh, probably 80% of this season, and it's a terrible timing in his career to have lost, kind of lost a whole season. Uh, have you seen him since he's been back off the disabled list? Yeah, I saw him. Um, <clears throat> he started out in Aberdeen, and I was there for a while, and um, his timing was off. Balls were getting on him a little bit, and that's to be expected when you miss two months of a, of a season. Um, catch up in baseball is is horrendous. You see that with uh, uh, Cobb, Cobb with the Orioles. Yep. He missed time, and I mean, it's hard enough to perform in professional baseball, and then when you're also on the, the catch up, you know, um, list, it's really hard. So. Hayes right now, <clears throat> I saw him in Aberdeen, and then I'm going to see him in a few days in, in Bowie, and again, he's with Keith Bowie up there, and I noticed he's he's been getting some hits and starting to come on a little bit, so, uh, you know, last year, Buck asked me about asked me about Hayes, and, and this is the way I described him. He had an unbelievable year last year. Mm-hmm. He started out in Frederick and hit a ton of home runs and hit 300 and i was a little bit leery about the move to double a and he actually went to double a and hit the breaking ball better than he did at frederick and he hit the fastball and he and he was on the fast track and then we called him up to the big leagues and buck asked me you know to describe him he's a he's a 
outfielder that can go get the ball with the best of them. Mm-hmm. He's got a plus arm. He hustles his butt off constantly. And then I told Buck, but the truth is, even though he had fabulous numbers, I don't think he's ready to hit in the big leagues yet. Right. It's a, he, you know, he's only played a short amount of time, and now we're moving him to the big leagues. And then after I said that to, to Buck, I said, Buck, but you will not mind writing this kid's name in the lineup mm-hmm. because he brings energy, he brings life, he gets after it, he competes at the plate, even though he's, in my opinion, which is a very conservative opinion, I didn't think he was ready to hit in the big leagues, which kind of proved out a little bit. Yep. You know, he he hit okay. He showed flashes, but there were other things that he has to work on. So, yeah, you got to circle him as a as a blue chip prospect. Also, you know, right. when when he's ready to make a difference, we'll see. All right, before we let you go, Ryan Mountcastle, we understand from everybody that if hitting was the only thing you had to do as a baseball player, he'd be pretty close to Major League ready. Uh, where do you th- where do you fit in on him, and where does he fit in in a lineup? Well, if you have a wide-open team, if you have a wide-open team where positions are up for grabs, right? he could probably play some first base. He could definitely DH. And there's some talk about we might try him uh, down the road in left field because the, the footwork on throwing in left field is a lot less uh, rapid. It's a lot less um, hurried right. than it is from an infield position. So, you know, he does adequately in the infield now. Okay. So hopefully, you know, he would continue to improve. But, um, you know, one thing we talk about, Double A is loaded, loaded with players we call prospects mm-hmm. and they're 23, 24 years old. This kid is 21 years old, mm-hmm. and he's a dominant hitter. He also missed time this year. Yeah. He broke his hand uh, when the big league team sent him back to the minors the first game in the spring training minor leagues. He, he got hit on the hand and broke his hand. So he was out, I want to say, for, I don't know, Six weeks, I really don't know that for sure. Six weeks, seven weeks. So he also was on the catch-up program, which yep. is, I can't tell you how difficult that is. So he's a, he's a special bat. He's a special prospect. Again, not knowing where he's going to end up playing, if you put him on the trading block, the phones would light up. Yep. You don't see this kind of talent from a young player, especially doing what he's hitting 300 with, you know, a dozen home runs right now on a catch-up year in Double A. You just don't see it. All right. Listen, I know we got uh, late uh, late start. We'll grab you again maybe after the baseball season's over. Terry, many thanks for joining us. Okay. You're welcome, Stan. Have Anytime, a good day, brother. Have a see good you, day Craig. in Aberdeen. All, All right. right. See you, Crow. Love you, Crow. Take care now. Talk to you Bye-bye. soon, brother. All right. Bye-bye. There you have it, Terry Crowley. Well, what a show. Uh, you're going to head out to the ballpark now. I'm that way, yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to, before, when go we, ahead. When we get him back, I'd love to hear his uh, take on Preston Palmero because right. at, at triple, I mean, at uh, single A Frederick this year. He's hitting for uh, some power. Hitting for some power. He's uh, he's playing second base now. Right. Uh, but uh, when you when you look at it, 17 home runs, I think, to this point. Yeah, seven and 63 RBI. 
The uh, only thing that bo- hitting, hitting two fifty nine. The only thing that bothers me about him, you heard how he's talking about Mountcastle, who's in a league of twenty four year olds, mm-hmm. and he's twenty one. Palmero's in a league of twenty one and twenty two years olds. Twenty two year olds. I think he's already twenty three. He's twenty three, right? Yeah, yeah, and he's at a ball. All right. Uh, or actually, low A. Well, no. Well, no. He went, he's at he Delmarva. No, he's, oh, he's at, at Frederick. He's at Frederick. Okay. Yeah, he's been at Frederick Still a all little, year. I'd love it if he were doing that at Bowie. Yeah. Would be yeah, a and that, that's what you have to figure yeah. out, whether or not that can happen next year. Yeah, it doesn't mean it can't. No. no question about it. You know, real quick about Mountcastle. That's the position I'd be looking at Mountcastle at on an everyday basis, mm-hmm. is second base. Because mm-hmm. I think you could slide VR over. It looks like they really are intent on giving this kid Nunez, or you know, and there's a nothing. Third. There's nothing really to lose by that. They're not going to win. They go to the playoffs next year. Yeah. But Mountcastle, if he can make it as an infielder, there's a hole at second base right now. You know? Well, there is. You're absolutely well. Yeah, and to he's me, not to a me there's a hole at shortstop. Yeah, too. he's not a short. But Mountcastle's not a shortstop. No. All right, Craig's going to duck out to the ballpark day night doubleheader, and again, it's Yakabonis against. I can't remember who's pitching for the Yankees, but in the night game, it's Kashner versus Sonny Gray. Right. All right. right. We're going to now play an interview I was able to record yesterday. Former general manager of the Colorado Rockies, farm director of the Cleveland Indians. He's now with MLB Network, and that's my friend Dan O'Dowd. And we're back on the bat around, and as promised, I had a chance to chat with uh, Dan O'Dowd, former uh, general manager of the Colorado Rockies, was a farm director with the Cleveland Indians, and many, many years ago worked for the Baltimore Orioles. He's now with MLB uh, Television. Dan, great to talk to you. Thanks, Dan. You too, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Hey, we're uh, we're just about ten days away, or eight days away from the uh, the trade deadline, the the waiver trade deadline, the August thirty first deadline. Um, what teams do you think really did themselves well going into the August first time period, and what thing? What teams do you think kind of blew it? Well, looking at the National League, you know, I think the uh, the Diamondbacks did a wonderful job improving their bullpen. Uh, I love the acquisitions. They took a strength and made it a further strength. Um, I also like the Escobar you know, acquisition. The Cardinals kind of remade themselves completely, Stan, and in a younger kind of way, and they've gotten so much more athletic and better, especially defensively. I love the Cubs' acquisition of Hamels. And I like Atlanta's acquisition of Gosman. I think he's a kid that needed a change of scenery. I think the A's did a wonderful job um, at fortifying what was already a really good strength since then. I love the acquisition of Fires and Rodney. Uh, I thought Cleveland needed to shore up its bullpen. They did that with Hands and Simber. And, uh, I mean, the Yankees' results haven't been good yet. Um, but, I, you know, I don't think anybody can question their acquisitions. If Britain really hasn't performed that well yet. Clubs for me, you know, the Dodgers, they got Machado, but they missed in really shoring up. Um, their bullpen stand just has not been the same bullpen that they've had in other years. And I couldn't really understand Milwaukee's strategy. They they acquired bats, but it was like trying to fit square pegs into round yeah. holes, and they didn't do anything 
you know, to improve uh, their rotation. So those were kind of the bigger question marks for me at the deadline. And the Philadelphia Phillies, while they tried mightily to acquire Machado, and then I think they were in on Britain, they weren't able to strike a deal with uh, Andy's former club, and they've kind of faded where Atlanta has moved back in front of them. They have. You know, I still think there's some ground for them to make up. I do like their acquisition of Ramos. Yep. Um, because they needed to improve their offense. They just have not hit the ball for most of the year, and uh, they've not caught the ball exceptionally well, too. They've added Cabrera, who's a good offensive player, hasn't played well there, but he's not a great defender, and he's really not the great defender at the position uh, that they're playing. There wasn't a lot out there for the specific needs that the Phillies needed to shore mm-hmm. up. Uh, we're talking with Dan O'Dowd about what took place at the trade deadline and what might take place in the next week. Dan, uh, I look at the Dodgers, and they're in a tricky spot. I guess the fact that they've fallen back as far as they have could aid them in a waiver deal right at August 31st. But what happened July 31st? They were rumored to be on the verge of picking up Shane Green, who is exactly who I thought they needed. Yeah, me too. I mean, anybody that has 20-plus saves for the Tigers, you know, a team that's struggling to rebuild right now that has got his kind of fastball and his kind of spin rate, too, it's, um, it's a little bit of a mystery. You know, when you go all in to get Machado, you think you're going to finish it off at that point in time. You know, Stan, they're a perplexing club to me. Yep. Uh, they got 106 run differential, but they're only 32 and 33 at home. They play much better, actually, on the road. They've not strung together anything of consistency. Manny hasn't played well uh, in L.A. I mean, the, the two teams in the National League, to me, are their enigma, the Dodgers and the, and the Nationals. Very difficult teams to figure out I, this year. I couldn't agree more with you. Um, the, the St. Louis Cardinals made a move that I think left a lot of people scratching their heads about three and a half weeks ago. They uh, let go of Mike Matheny. Uh, you know, most people think he's one of the top seven, ten managers in the game of baseball, and they brought in somebody who's a kind of a baseball lifer, Mike Schild. Uh, they've really gone on a tear and now have, in fact, moved into the National League lead in the wild card uh, and are in front of the Milwaukee Brewers. Tell us a little bit, yeah. what do you know about Mike Schild? Well, first of all, I think in the decision to let Mike go couldn't have been an easy one for that organization. Um in 2009, um, the hardest day for me in the game was when I let Clint Hurdle go. and Because uh, Clint was a dear friend of mine, and they had done so many good things for the Rockies. Uh, we went on a similar tear, though, with Jim Tracy as our manager. Sometimes, Stan, a change of voice is just needed. Mm-hmm. The dynamics of that are unexplainable, uh, but sometimes it's just needed. In Mike's case, there's tremendous familiarity. Um, he's been in the organization a long time. He's got great relationships with the people above him, which is so crucial in that role. But he's got trust and respect from all the kids below him because he had most of them within their system. And for me, it's great to see a young you know, guy like that get rewarded for all his years of service within a particular organization. But he's definitely taken advantage of it, too. He's, he's kind of settled their club. In, in, in defense of Mike, they kind of had too many players that weren't performing, that weren't great defensive mm-hmm. players that Mike kind of got stuck with trying to soothe egos. You know, believe it or not, when Dexter Fowler got hurt, it's turned out to be a blessing for him because now when they traded Tommy Pham, uh, they got some good young arms back, but they've allowed to play Harrison Bader in center and now Neil and Wright 
with Fowler's injury, and they've kind of taken off a little bit. They got Martinez you know, off the field defensively. There's really no place to hide him mm-hmm. on a consistent basis, and they've settled their infield. And so I think Mike's done a good job, but I think injuries and some of the trades have really helped Mike, too. So you've been in that situation before. When they pull the trigger on that, they're obviously hoping, John Mazalak and his general manager are hoping to get out of it what they have, which is the team has gone on a spurt over the last right. 20 games. Do you, do you think they felt it was going to happen, or it was necessary for it to possibly yeah. happen? I know, Stan, from my standpoint, I felt like it just got necessary that whatever reason Clint's voice has just gotten lost in the clubhouse, mm-hmm. the dynamics of that, you know, you got to understand that as a leader, you're around the same group of people year in and year out for pretty much eight months a year. And it's um, the relationship is at times a strange one, and there's a lot of dichotomy to it. And, uh, you know, if you have strong personalities, at times it can lend itself to great leadership qualities, but at times it can lend itself as kind of being lost a little bit in the white noise. And like I felt even in my own position, Stan, I do think there's a shelf life Yep. In every one of these jobs within the game, because of the challenge of it and the grind of it, um, I do think you just reach a point in time where change is good for both parties. Yeah, Brian Billick used to say that here in Baltimore. They thought it was like the nine, ten-year mark. It was a, it was the right time to to be gone. Uh, I want to talk about three managers in vastly different situations. Jim Riggleman took over a team that was three and fifteen. They're now fifty-six and seventy-two. You do the math, and they've been pretty much a five hundred club under him. Does he have? You know, do your sources say that he's got a heck of a chance to stay in Cincinnati in that job? You know, I don't have the sources. Only the insiders do, and that's certainly not my <laughs> area of strength. Uh, you know, I, I would think based upon performance, but it goes beyond that, and it, you know. It goes beyond where the where are the Reds within their development of their culture at this point in time. Is there a sense of accountability? Uh, what are their work habits? Do the young play have the young players improved on a daily basis? And the lifeblood of every organization is your ability to create authentic communication. So, what is their communication model up and down the organization? A manager can be evaluated in so many areas other than just the wins and losses of their team. Two managers in the American League. They were. Very close in 2014, battling to get to the World Series. The Royals did. The Orioles didn't. Uh, needless to say, you know what's happened since then. Do you think, I'm just asking a gut feeling, do you think Ned Yost and Buck Showalter are back at the helm of their respective teams next year? I don't know. I mean, again, that's not, it's hard to know, Stan, if you're not there. I will say this just from my experience is I think it's extremely difficult for a manager that has gone through pinnacles of winning seasons Mm -hmm. to take a step back objectively, especially with a lot of years of experience, and go through a challenging rebuilding process. Um, One, I think you sometimes are a little jaded in your point of view on how things should work based upon what you experienced before, but what you experienced before may not be anything of what you're about to go through now. And it's just a different level of uh, energy that takes to go through a rebuild that's different going through teams that are kind of built to win and be competitive night in, night out. So I don't know what the decisions will be, but I know for me anyway, it's very challenging to have managers 
go through both of those period times within an organizational, you know, within an organization's history. Hey, I'm looking at one other team, the Los Angeles Angels. About three weeks ago, Ken Rosenthal wrote a piece in The Athletic right. saying that Mike Soshi, after all these years, is going to step down, and he basically said it's horse hockey, uh, to use the words uh, from the TV show MASH from Colonel Potter. Uh, I'm looking at them, and I'm looking at his age now and where how long he's been on the job. If he were to step down, is Joe Girardi a good fit there under Billy Epler? I don't know what Joe and Billy's uh, Billy's relationship was like with okay. the, um, the Yankees. I had a I've had an opportunity to work with Joe at the network. I think he's outstanding. Yep. I think he's got a great baseball mind. To me, he's been very engaging to work with. Um, you know, very open minded to really a, a a guy who wants to be um, constantly learning new things. You know, ask great questions. So. I think Joe would be a good fit in a lot of different places. All right. We're talking with Dan O'Dowd. We've got about four more minutes with Danny. Dan, uh, this offseason, Adam Jones, um, he, he turned down a trade to the Phillies at the deadline, uh, the 31st deadline, and we think he's going to stay put, uh, although there's a small chance it could change. Uh, the Orioles will have a tough situation with him. He's right at that age now where those guys don't get the long-term contracts after last year. Is is he going to be desired on the market, and where do you think the price point is for a player like that? Uh, just, I still feel Adam is a good player. He's also a great influence in the clubhouse. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the true professionals within the game. I thought he took moving to right field with so much class and dignity, never calls to stir at all. I really didn't have a problem with him turning down deals only because, you know, unless you walk in Adam's shoes, it's very difficult to criticize anybody. Certainly, I mean, I'd want to win at the stage of career he might be at, but he may have other things going on in his life, and good for him that he loves the city of Baltimore as much as he does. I say this with every veteran player, Stan. Um, If you're open-minded to a short-term deal and money is not your driving object, and you make the industry well aware of that, mm-hmm. and you make the industry aware of the fact that you understand the role that you're in at this stage of your career, there'll be a lot of interest. If your approach is that you're the same player that you were 10 years ago, uh, then you're probably it's going to be a, a market that's going to be less than desirable. How's the market going to be for Manny Machado and Bryce Harper? Will it be as brisk as you would have thought, say, 17 months ago, 18 months ago, or, or are they in for a, an awakening of sorts? Um, I still think it's probably going to be a small market to begin with. I, I think there's a lot of clubs that have the wherewithal to take on those type of contracts over a, you know, a long period of time. You really have to look at your overall payroll and be comfortable the percentage of payroll that particular contract is going to end up. Both are exceptionally talented players in the prime of their careers. I think they'll do it. Really well, but I think it was going to be a small market to begin with. All right, last question for you. You you lived here in Baltimore. You worked for the Baltimore Orioles for a while. Yep. Uh, clearly, Peter Angelos's influence on his organization is less and less. About a month ago, in rapid fire, the Orioles announced that they were kind of rehiring Brooks Robinson in a ceremonial post and then followed it up quickly by announcing the same thing with Eddie Murray, but maybe a little less ceremonial, and maybe Eddie will get involved a little bit. How important, do those moves resonate in a town like Baltimore? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. 
understand. I, I think the history of your franchise, to stay connected to the history of your franchise, to players that represented that history, to great human beings like those guys, I think that is such a strong connection to your community and to the young players that you're trying to develop through your organization to understand what the organization was and what it has a chance to be again. Uh, because, you know, the past is the formation of the life experiences of every organization. So to have those players involved again, I think it's just wonderful for the organization. So I'm asking you a hypothetical before I let you out of here. Uh, there's, there's a certain symmetry to me to bringing in Brooks, bringing in Eddie, and re-signing uh, Adam Jones here, be it on a one-year or maybe one in an option. Is there a place for an Adam Jones on a rebuilding team if he's, if he's receptive to uh, the dollars that fit the, the rebuild? Yeah, two, uh, two parts of an answer to that question. Number one, that's up. the first part is the biggest thing is if, if Adam is yep. up for that. Number two, as long as, as he's not standing in the way of an opportunity for a younger player, that has a chance to represent your future mm-hmm. uh, in an everyday at bat standpoint because the only way you get kids over the hump, you have to commit to them at some point in time to let them play through their struggles of being a contributor and so they can be a winning player. Um, so it would be those two characteristics that would play out in place, and that just gets down to having authentic communication with yeah. Adam and understanding where you're at in the process of your own young players of who you have in your organization. Always appreciate the time. Uh, you can watch uh, Dan O'Dowd on MLB.com and MLB TV. By the way, I want, you know, privately I sent you a text about three weeks ago at the trade deadline. You were the only one on that panel, and I, w- I don't have to name the others, but that really represented the right thinking about uh, Roberto Asuna's acquisition by the Astros. You didn't badmouth him, but you said that th- that what he's accused of or what he's involved in really superseded the the whether it helps Houston win or not. It was a much more important dis- discussion, and I really applaud you for thinking uh, the right way, Dan. Yeah, thanks, Dan. I, I was pretty passionate about that, and quite honestly, not real happy the way I handled it the night before when it was when the deal was announced, and I actually couldn't sleep that night whatsoever. Did not know um, that, but when I heard you that day, you you hit all the right notes. Really, thank you so much, Dan. Again, thanks for having me on the show too. You do a great job with your questions, and I love to talk to the people in Baltimore. It's a great baseball community. All right, Dan O'Dowd, thanks. We'll be back with a little more of the batter round right after these commercial messages. Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find your local turtle. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual college football preview edition, in which we offer thorough previews of the season for all of the FBS, FCS, and Division III programs in the state. Additionally, the edition includes a preview of the high school football season for the region as well. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dining orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. Matt, we normally come on here and tell everyone go listen to Section 336 and just to take our advice to go listen to 336. Instead of us telling you why we're awesome, let's have other people tell you why we're awesome. This person says definitely a bunch of Oriole fans who just want to be able to buy playoff tickets. Section 336 is the greatest Baltimore Oriole podcasts around look forward to listening every week these guys are coconuts and if that's not enough reason to listen they are a great listen if you want orioles talk even during the off season if you're lucky they might even talk about the ravens josh matt and burt are a must listen every week check section 336 out for yourself on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts i'm excited to tell you about one of our newest partners loop league find them at loopleague.com what are they all about well this is very cool you can link together events from across the sports landscape into one comprehensive fantasy pool so let's just say you're like us maybe you're playing a world cup pool right now you want to keep that fun going with your friends after the world cup is over maybe you do a football picks pool that you loop together and that fun continues throughout the course of the year start a league today invite your friends single event leagues are free multi-event leagues are just a flat 4.99 fee for the entire league not per person just 4.99 there's plenty of competitions that loop league has i mentioned the world cup football picks it continues mlb playoffs they'll be doing stuff like that i mean they even do UFC fights, but if you've got an idea for something that you want to do, you can tell them at Loop League on Twitter, and they'd be willing to consider it. They've got 21 events on the platform right now, with more coming. This is something that was started by local guys. It's extremely cool. Loop League. Find them at loopleague.com. This is former Trump AJ Francis, just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too, and there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from I the bottom of Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. Tonight, that's August 25th. Your Ironbirds take on the f- take the field as the star-spangled banners of Aberdeen on Opioid Awareness Night presented by Lido's. Enjoy the number one rated fireworks performance in Northeast Maryland postgame. Visit ironbirdsbaseball.com or call 410-297-9292 to secure your Ironbirds experience. And before we get out of here, let me talk about Ken Island's original sports bar, 216 St. Clair Place in Stevensville, Maryland. If you're on your way down or back from the eastern shore, there's no place better to stop, relax, and eat, and watch great sports on the multitude of televisions they have in place there, whether it's the O's, the Nats, the um, NFL, college football, or Wizards and Caps during the season. And you can also sample the best bar grub around, sandwiches, salads, soups, and subs, Tell Steve Garland at Big Batch Cafe that Stan the Fans sent you. And we are back to close things out. We appreciate your listening this Saturday morning. 
Uh, we're going to duck out to the Orioles game. Um, remember, tomorrow you're getting ready for your uh, fantasy football draft. Ken Zalis will be there tomorrow with Sarita Hubbard and Kyle Ottenheimer from 10 to 12. Glenn Clark and uh, Kyle Ottenheimer Monday through Friday from 10 to 12. We'll see you next week.